What's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Granny's Peach Tea, episode seven. Yeah, baby, we're seven into this thing now, and we still don't know the mystery of what is in Jason's Granny's Peach Tea every week. And it's I think it's a different color this week. It's a different color this it, week. That concerns me. It, it is a different color. It's, so I'll, I'll key you in. This is actually Granny's uh, Peach Arnold Palmer. And please don't ask me to elaborate on what that is. Oh, I know what that is, man. I am all about the Arnold Palmer. <laughs> Trust me, I, I am all about the Arnold Palmer, man. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Absolutely love it. Um, all right, so my name's Ed Camus. Uh, with me, as always, is Tony Stabile. Tony, what's up? Yeah. What's up, guys? How we doing tonight? Excellent, excellent. And Jason Fashetic is also always with us. What's up? What's going on, guys? Excited to be here. Yeah, man. Can't wait to get into this. I mean, we got a we got a pretty big show for you guys tonight. I mean, not that we ever have 10 minute shows, but we're, we're all in <laughs> I, I just want to start the show by saying I'm gonna to apologize to everybody. Like we have very little to talk about this week. So, you know, there's gonna be a lot of fluff and uh, you know, and Jason telling us stories about uh how the origins of Arnold Palmer. So I just want to apologize <laughs> in advance for the nonsense that we're gonna to have to go through tonight. So, you know, it's uh you know, it should it, we'll try to make it as interesting as possible. I know it's gonna be really tough though. So Ed. Take it away, buddy. I think I think we could do an episode. We should like draw like a, a comic book superhero version of Arnold Palmer and we can tell the origin story. Like a dark, a dark origin story of how the Arnold Palmer came to be. Call call Feige now. That's right. That's we it. want this in the MCU. <laughs> uh but yeah, so we got a lot to get into. So let's let's uh not hold it up and let's jump into it. Um so last Friday. A pretty big story broke in our little world and candy shop, if you want to call it, of comic book superhero stuff. And um, it was, uh, we were trying to figure it out beforehand who broke the story initially. But I'm going to quote Deadline here on theirs because it seems like once this story broke, it was a pretty big deal regarding Warner Brothers saying that they have announced a writer for the uh, Superman reboot that we've heard rumblings about and maybe not. Uh, so they went ahead and they shared this info, and I'm going to quote Deadline on this right away. So Deadline has confirmed that author, I am going to, I'm going to butcher this, I'm sorry, because again, I have not heard it spoken, um, but um, Tanisi Coates is writing a Superman reboot feature for Warner Brothers and DC, which J.J. Abrams is producing under his Bad Robot label. Um, Hannah Meganella will serve as producer. No plot yet and no attachments, despite the fact that we've heard how Henry Cavill is eager to get back into the cape. Um, what do we know about this writer? Uh, his nonfiction books include The Beautiful Struggle, Between the World and Me, and We Were Eight Years in Power, An American Tragedy, Between the World and Me, uh, which won the 2015 National Book Award for nonfiction. Uh, of note, Coates has uh, written a Black Panther, and he's written Captain America series for Marvel Comics, so he has plenty of experience writing comic book material directly. Uh, Coates received a special thanks credit on Avengers Infinity War, as well as Avengers Endgame and Black Panther. Uh, Abrams has a half, um, a big half billion deal over at Warner Media, which he closed in September 2019. So those are 
the factual stuff. Uh, once the article, the, the story broke, a lot of a lot of different outlets were attaching certain things um, based on whatever they had thought. I think it was a lot of speculation. It wasn't actual factual. So the questions being here are, what does this mean exactly? I mean, Coates is also, and I didn't, I apologize, but I didn't, you know, um, capture his quotes there, but he said that he's excited to get into a Superman movie that is in the DCEU. Like, he's excited about that. And he said DCEU, so it's not like that That part is being speculated. Sorry. So that is also a fact that whatever the Superman reboot is going to be, it's set in a DCEU. So we have options now, and this is where we get to have fun and speculate about this uh, about this stuff, all right? So the way I'm seeing it is we have option A, that Henry Cavill continues as Superman, as his, you know, the Superman's been established in Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman, and just Justice League, and by then Zack Snyder's Justice League. Um, or you have option B, is that they recast uh, Henry Cavill's Superman and they continue his story, right? Option C is that we're going to get a new version of Superman, which could be from the comics. There is an Earth 2 Valzad Superman. So instead of Kal-El, a character named Valzad, and I grabbed a brief um, you know, blurb about each one, which you know, will make them a little bit different. So Valzad from Earth 2, uh, becoming the last of his house after his parents' execution by uh, Krypton's court, Val quickly made friends with fellow orphan Kyra Zorro, which is Supergirl. Uh, moments before Krypton's destruction, uh, Val, uh, um, sorry, Val, Kara, and Kal-El and another child managed to escape and survive their planet's destruction thanks to Jor-El and Lara. So apparently in that in, Val, in Valzad's origin story, you know, Superman's, you know, Kal-El's parents went ahead and launched multiple children off this planet. As we know, you know, even though Kal-El was referred to as the last son of Krypton, he's obviously not because we have Supergirl. And apparently we keep finding out that there are others over time. <laughs> uh, so there's that. Uh, through his trip, Val was educated by his parents' knowledge recorded on his capsule, teaching him that violence was the stupidest way to overcome issues. Uh, driving him to become a pacifist man. Falling on Earth, he was found by Terry Sloan, who offered his asylum, offered him asylum to quote protect him from the outside world, becoming a recluse. So that's Valzad's brief background, which and then he you know becomes Superman and stuff like that. So you can see where there's tweaks there. And yes, Valzad is you know an African American Superman. And the other option, if they were to go this route, is Calvin Ellis. Calvin Ellis is Earth-23's Superman. Uh, a, a lot of the... So Calvin Ellis is interesting because he's actually named Kal-El, right? Spelled slightly differently, and they changed his name to Calvin Ellis from Kal-El for his Earth name, right? Instead of Clark Kent. So his origin is essentially the same. His parents launch him, launch him off the planet. You know, he comes to Earth. You get that. Uh, found, by, uh, found by the poor but kind Ellis family, who christened, who, uh, christened him Calvin. Uh, Superman would fight many battles against the likes of Lex Luthor, uh, construct the citadel of Fort Superman, and inspire a generation of superheroes by his emergence, who would form the Justice League. But his greatest adventure of all may be his identity as Calvin Ellis, becoming the President of the United States, 
where aided by his long-suffering assistant, Courtney, and the reprogrammed alien intelligence, Brainiac, he works to protect the world with uh, political as well as superhuman might. And a lot of people say Calvin Ellis, Superman, I think he was created in like 2009, if I'm correctly. But I believe he, you can, we can tell by the look of him, his hair and everything, you know, his haircut and everything, he's very much inspired by, you know, former President Barack Obama at that time. You can tell by the look and obviously him being the president and Superman and, and all that instead of working in the Daily Planet. So, okay, now that we have a brief background on the possibilities, where do you think this is actually going to end up? Tony, you're, you're our uh, not I – I don't want to steal Tim's uh, Kryptonian sympathizer title. But <laughs> you, you know, you are our Superman guy, all right? So, Tony, where do you think this is going? Because there are a lot of options. Now, based on the writer, that's where people came up with Val Zod or Calvin Ellis. I mean, I know we've shared our love for Henry Cavill Superman. Where do you th where a where do you think it's going to go, and b where would you like to see it go? Um, I mean, look, it just based upon you know the way things are in Hollywood today, I would say that the most likely scenario would be probably Calvin Ellis. Um, it would be a um, a person of color being the president of the United States, being a superhero, it would tap into that same type of emotion that 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 there there was when Black Panther came out. So I would think that that would make the most sense. I mean, I don't think anybody wants to see a reclusive Superman just <laughs> you know, on a reboot. I mean, that's just me. So just I would Superman think going, that, get off my lawn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you know, like, uh, you know, like looking out of his basement window, like it's probably not the way that they would want to go if you ask me but um I, I would think that 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 probably makes the most sense um uh i i hope it's my hope that this is a multiverse type of a thing that you know we have a coming together of of calvin ellis and with henry cavill's you know clark kent okay. and superman yeah. i would love that to be the case because that would make the most sense because now you're saying that Clark Kent is still Clark Kent, and now you have, you know, and now you have Calvin Ellis as well, and I, that might be an interesting dynamic. That might be an interesting, you know, story to tell between the two. So that's where I would like to see that go. I my scenario is you you have to have Cavill come back. Okay, you have this guy who is is dying to put the uniform back on. He is he is made for this part. I mean, he he looks the part. He is he he's he's great. And I don't see why you would need to reboot something that you already have that's working. So if you want to, you want to add to it, I'm all for that. The low, the last thing here, the thing that concerns me about this is J.J. Abrams being a part of it, and I'll tell you why. Force Awakens came out. I was on the J.J. band bandwagon. Mm -hmm. I love J.J. did a great job with Force Awakens. But kicking that series off, and maybe this has more to do with Lucasfilm than it has to do with J.J. Abrams, but kicking that series off, not having a plan in place moving forward, okay, yeah. not being able to, having a continuing story. George Lucas, when he wrote, okay, A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, he pretty much knew everything that was going to happen going along. Did he make some changes? Were, were Luke and, and Leia uh, uh, originally um, brother and sister? 
Most likely not. And I don't give a shit what that man says yeah. that that he did not do that shit on purpose. I'm sorry. He didn't do that. So I, you know, I think at some point he was like, Hey, I can make them twins. Perfect. So I, I think at some point he changed that, but for the most part, he knew where that story was going. We now know after the last, you know, what if, if, you, if you put three movies together and spent the amount of money they spent to put into it, it was a complete disjointed disaster. So, Adding J.J. Abrams into a, a a universe that has had a multitude of issues to this point about who's doing what, continuity, you know, vision, all of these different things all into one, that concerns me. But hopefully if he folds into everything that's going on and he's basically given this road to work on, J.J. Abrams is an immensely talented producer and filmmaker. So hopefully that that's the guy that we get and not Rise of Skywalker. J.J. Abrams. <laughs> oh, and, and Tony, those are all fair points. I mean, besides being, you know, comic book dudes, uh, we also, all three of us love Star Wars, too, and we're very familiar with that, and we've seen with J.J. I'm sure we can go into that whole other tangent, and, we, you know, we could join Tim on that cool. as well. Uh, <laughs> that you need to have a plan, and that, I think, I agree, that's a concerning thing. Like, if you're going to reboot Superman, then you need to stick around, you know, for the end of it. You can't just you know, be that guy who's like, oh, yeah, you know, this sounds like a great idea. Let's do it. And then and then disappear. I think another thing that's interesting, uh, Jason, before we, we get to that is, so J.J. Abrams, this isn't his first dance around with Superman. He wrote, um, I believe he wrote a script. He was attached to a movie called Superman Flyby, which was actually prior to Warner Brothers doing Superman Returns. And that was like a whole other thing that was like supposedly action-packed and it was crazy and it's wild so he's been you know circling no no pun intended you know as i'm circling like uh Richard Donna superman over here on the earth he's been circling the superman property for a long time where do where do you see so again same question for you where would you like to see this go and what do you think will happen um okay so i'm gonna say something unpopular i would like to not see this reboot happen um and and here's why right because we're rebooting a character that already exists within the universe we're creating. Uh, so I'm not sure like how it's a reboot. What, what, are, what are we retconning? Um, and, and, you know, I'm, I've been on the show. Uh, I was on the first episode. I'm not a huge fan of Man of Steel or Batman versus Superman. But it doesn't make sense to me to re reboot Superman when that stuff exists. And like that's a foundation. So I'm worried about the fact that it's not adding to the lore, like Tony had said, but it's being called a reboot. So like my what I'd like it to happen is like it not to be a reboot. It to be something that even if it's not Henry Cavill, if you want to give us an, uh, an a different universe Superman, or you want to give us something fresh and new, and I'm all for fresh and new. Like I I would be all for either one of those things you said. Like I think the the Barack Obama Superman, as Tony. Tony said makes more sense in uh, you know in the climate of what we're doing with movies and representation, uh, and, and as opposed to just sort of get off my lawn, Superman. But like get off my lawn, Superman would also be pretty new and fresh and interesting to see, so I wouldn't mind that. But but so I you know uh, where it goes, I'm actually pretty mo much open. My my only problem here is the fact that it, that it's being branded a reboot, and. If you're going to reboot, then I don't see them bringing back 
Cavill. And if you're not bringing back Cavill, you're erasing a large chunk of already established lore that isn't perfect, but you can retcon to make better to move forward. And so I just don't understand. So my fear here is that the reboot is going to just be like, here's another wacky thing we're doing in the DCEU. And, you know, I like the wacky stuff, but, but we've seen Superman in this universe. So I don't understand why we're rebooting. Um, so that that's my controversial opinion. I don't I don't want it to be a reboot or be made like this. But where it goes, I'm look. I, I love. I actually really would love to see Cavill do a Superman movie that you know is sort of like even a J.J. Abrams one. I think my thing about J.J. Abrams is he makes a really great first movie in a series. He did it with Star Trek, right? The 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 Star Trek Kelvin universe because I'm a big Star Trek fan. That first one, man, that was so much fun. It was. Heart was. was great. Yep. That second one, third one was okay, and I don't. But I don't even think the third one was JJ at that point. Um, same thing as we said with with uh, with Star Wars, right? I loved Force Awakens, and I I was like I was not about seeing the new Star Wars movies because I I just wasn't a big fan of the you know the the prequels, mm-hmm. and I I ate my words on that. I was like, no, this is a lot of fun. But then, as Tony said, then we got Rise of Skywalker. So I don't mind JJ being at the helm of a Superman movie, if as long as he's doing one, and you know, someone plans. I agree, someone has to have a plan. Um, but but you know, but I think this for this to work, I don't understand how a reboot reboot is going to work within this universe, and that's my big concern. And I agree because you have a guy in Cavill who you know people can argue Batman versus Superman and just Justice League, whatever the mm-hmm. fuck you want to call it, We're calling right it or. Or okay, Justice League, okay, or Man of Steel. You can have people who can debate that all day long, okay, and it's fine. And you're gonna get people who mm-hmm. love it, who hate it, who you know, who kind of eh, it was all right, you know. But the thing with me is that the thing with not just me, with the thing with with DC fans is that it's pretty much universal that people love Henry Cavill as Superman. He is immensely popular. It's same thing with with Affleck as Batman. There, there is a huge following for, for, for Ben Affleck as Batman. They want to see him return. People are excited the fact that he's going to be in Flashpoint no matter you know, what kind of role it's going to end up being, if it's going to be his ushering out of the DCU or whatever the case may be. But people were excited the fact that he's back. Cavill's got the same type of, of, of popularity. So to see them, as Jason said, just completely reboot the character would be, in my opinion, short-sighted because... You know, they've seemed to want to figure out any reason not to bring him back, but they need to bring him back. They absolutely do. And I don't know if this is going to be tied to Flashpoint, where that's where, you know, maybe this whole multiverse and, you know, that's where the new Superman gets ushered in, whatever the case is, because I think this Flashpoint movie is just going to be like off the wall, you know, all different. If we thought that Endgame was you know, pulling things out of left field. I think Flashpoint <laughs> is going to go even further than that. So I, I, I agree with Jason 100%. I would like to see them not completely reboot the character and just make an, an, an additional story and, and bring that multiverse part of it into it. Yeah, so which actually what I was going to add in too, but Tony, you know, that's dynamite that you, you had brought that in is a key thing to remember for everyone is that the Flash movie, which we don't have a title for yet. We just know a Flash movie is going to be shooting soon. We know Keaton's in it. We know Batflex's in it. We know there's a Supergirl in it. And if you're familiar with the Flashpoint story, you know that it opens up, you know, it 
the multiverse is completely like ripped open and stuff like that. Some can argue, and which is a fair point, that the first Flash movie, first Flash solo movie, should not be Flashpoint. Maybe you just want to let Super, like the Flash, get his, you know, no pun intended, get his footing first before you jump <laughs> into arguably one of his biggest stories ever. But they're doing it, and it's fine, and it's a good point though. That's where you could be. They could use that to essentially wipe out. Henry Cavill Superman and replace him with a new Superman, which is possible. Um, or, which I would agree with you guys, what I would like to see is as also someone who feels that, and, I, and I've said it on the show, I, I really like Man of Steel. I'm a big fan of it, and I'm not normally a Superman guy. Um, I want Cavill to get his sequel and get his fair shot at this thing, because I feel like in a lot of ways, he's got the shit under the stick on, on this deal. And, I mean, the, he's one of the reasons why I'm really excited to see Zack Snyder's Justice League because I think we're going to get a better... A lot more of him. A lot more of him. And I'm, mm -hmm. the funny thing is, when we talk about Justice League in a few weeks, the key thing is, though, universally, the movie was panned, but one of the bright points for everybody, probably the brightest point, was Superman. Henry Cavill's Superman, mm -hmm. specifically how he's portrayed... Besides the weird CGI erasure of the mustache, his portrayal of Superman in that, yeah, exactly, is universally loved. They're like, oh, this is it. This is the Superman. His suit's a little bit brighter. He seems to be, like, happier and stuff like that. So I, I, it would be a shame to kind of, like, get him pushed to the side. And even when I watched rewatch Shazam... And my, every time I watch that movie, I keep waiting. I pray that Henry Cavill's. I know, <laughs> I know. But he couldn't show up due to like scheduling it, and which really oh. does suck. That was, was it supposed to be him. It was supposed to be. It was supposed to be him. Yeah, awesome. it was supposed to be him. Yeah, very believe they, that they just used the. Yeah, no, but I, listen, uh, you know, as you said with DC, they should not be doing Flashpoint as the original Flash movie. That is no. it. But they have. It seems that DC <laughs> has unofficially ad adopted the Jets new slogan which is all wow. gas no break so they have just at this point it's just like you know what we're just we're just going at this point so fuck it try it let's see what, <laughs> let's, let's see what happens let's let's not wait the 12 or 14 years to get to end game let's just have it right now have end game right now <laughs> see People what happens see it. <laughs> yeah sure yeah which we've agreed though has gotten them into trouble in the past so yeah, fingers yeah. crossed oh, i think we all would like to see them do this but I would like to see Henry Cavill continue as Superman. I don't want him to erase him and just he, – he vanishes. But I am also uh, – and the thing is this. I think the key word for people to look at there is reboot. Reboot means a lot of things, honestly. It's not just – it doesn't always mean the same thing. It could be – I personally think it's going to be a reimagining of Superman, and I think we're going to get – I agree with you guys. I think Calvin Ellis is the way we're going to go, and that's fine. I'm for that. We can have two Supermen. DC is giving us – I mean, let's. We just named Keaton is in the Flash movie. Batfleck mm -hmm. is in the Flash movie, and we got Battinson getting his own franchise. So we're gonna have three Batmen in a in the theaters in a matter of a year, and then who the heck knows whatever happens on screen if one day on Batwoman they decide to figure out that Bruce Wayne is missing again. But you know who 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 really knows what's going on with that? Let's see. Hold on, we got a comment on this from a buddy Pro. What's up, Pro? Welcome to the show, man. Uh, Here's to hoping Flashpoint erases Ryan Reynolds' Green Lantern. And then, <laughs> bro, you're 100% right there. Bro, I, want him I, I thought Deadpool erased that. <laughs> it did. Technically, he did. Yeah, technically, yeah, technically Deadpool did. But, but though, guys, 
Prices on Infinite Earths last year on CW acknowledged that that Earth is was not erased. They did show a, a shot from that Green from the Green Lantern Corpse from that film. It was actual footage of it. For whatever reason that is, they decided not to erase that Earth. I, I don't if know. They don't have if they don't have fun with this at some point or another. I mean, I don't know what I don't I don't know what they could possibly do. They have to allude to it at some point somehow. It ha it has to happen. It you got to be able to laugh at yourself, man, and just be like, eh, "Screw it!" You know, we we screwed up, and and, and, and look, I I gave DC credit for for admitting their mistake, making letting Josh um, um, Zack Snyder come back and and correct the 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 disaster of Justice Justice League, whatever the hell you want to call it. But you know, like I give them a lot of credit for putting money into this; they're going to make money off of it. Uh, I, I don't be, I don't believe that you know that this is not going to set up something else because if it's the the hype coming along with this movie is tremendous right now, so if this gets them ten million subscribers to to HBO Max to watch this movie, I'm telling you right now that this, they ain't done with that yet. They're gonna be knocking on, on Zach's door again. Yeah, so. we we talked about that. We we posted. I don't remember who wrote comments in the group or not during the week, but it, it's true. Like, we'll we'll get to you know the movie when we do, but. If you're going to invest $70 million plus, like you said, Tony, that means it's got to be something. You're not doing that just to make mm -hmm. it make nice with, no. with Zack Snyder. I, that's that's Yeah, and it's, and it's not like they're just trying to get, you know, like the hardcore DC fans are just going to try to go out there and be like, you know, oh, we're going to send, we're going to spend $70 million to make you people happy. Bullshit. No, <laughs> no way. Yeah. No. That ain't, no, no way. Uh -huh. It's a total retcon of Justice League and be like, hey, listen, we're going to wipe the movie. Yeah, we're going to wipe that from continuity. This is your Justice League. Just like you notice on HBO Max, the uh, theatrical cut of BVS is nowhere to be found. It's only Ultimate Edition. It's only That's Ultimate Edition. the only one that they ever acknowledge again. So mm -hmm. that is something. Hold on All to right. that copy of that movie, buddy. That's going to be worth something someday. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So we got a lot of Superman talk. We'll have some more in a little bit when we get to uh, Superman and Lois. So, uh, But let's jump into CW-verse. And let's get it started. We'll go through the week. Sunday nights are Batwoman, so we'll we'll start there. And you know, uh, oh wow! Before we get going, I, I can't let this I can't let this comment go. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I love you. That's <laughs> fantastic. Settle, uh, settle down, yeah, Logan. Settle down. Exactly. He's our he's our live version of of Logan we used to work with. Oh, I used to work with. Um, all right, so let's get into I, I, and I and I currently work with so. <laughs> um, all right, so let's jump into Batwoman, Jason, uh, because you know we know it's our no. Let's just, just stop the crap. Um, I'm going to tell you the truth though. This was it was a fairly uneventful episode. I'm going to be honest. Like, there's usually some entertainment value to Batwoman every week. Whether you know Jason and I both like watching bad shit sometimes, just because True. we can at least get a laugh out of it. Or, you know, we can say, hey, you know, we'll be fair and say this is cool, this is cool, but what the hell happened here? Like the the uh, Victor Zaz episode, which... <laughs> oh, I loved it. Come on, it was so it was, it was great. So it was fun. great in such a weird way. Um, but we'll, we'll touch on it briefly, because honestly, I really don't have that much to say about it. I think it was a fairly uneventful episode. Um, a lot of the same thing. Everyone's looking for Kate Kane, who we know is never coming back, unless they have some weird thing at the end of the season where they came up with a secret agreement under the table to like, hey, let's just bring you back and then you can vanish again. I don't know. Um, but there was one thing that could be big here. So there was that uh, patient that uh, was like dealt with with Hamilton Industries that was like uh, took Commander Kane and um, 
damn it, the uh, the sister's name that was that was kidnapped. Um, I always forget her name, but the the woman who runs the the medical the doctor, facility, yeah, the yeah, underground like, yeah. doctor. It's it's Kate's like uh, stepsister. Um, so they could have had a potential introduction for a fan favorite Batman villain, um, uh, named uh, Amgadala. So the patient apparently displays uncontrollable rage fits throughout and was subjected to experimental UV therapy by Hamilton Dynamics. Uh, this was unintentionally caused a cancer to form in his brain, and the and the impact was affecting his brain. Um, Jason, is this a Batman villain that you're kind of familiar with or not? Because it seems like a very obscure one. I have no idea who this guy is. Uh but I mean, he was the perfect choice for this white noise episode that I watched. I mean, because I, because again, I didn't know who he was. Who knows who he was? I'm, I'm like, I'm sure I'm not the biggest Batman fan in the world. I'm a huge fan. But there are guys who've sit in their basement and, and and read through tomes of Batman. I'm sure who've read tons of stuff about this guy. But like for me, I had never. <laughs> I had never heard of this guy. I didn't even realize he was a real thing. Uh, I just thought it was another case of like, like discount, you know, bargain discount Batman characters, which is what I feel this show is a lot of times. Like, you don't get the Mad Hatter, but you get Alice. You don't get Jim Gordon, but you get like, you know, Corp Commander Kane. Uh, you know him? No, I don't. Like, so I, I'm surprised to hear this is an actual character. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, and Commander Kane again. It's it's still like kill like the whole radio host woman that knows everything about everyone constantly. Things that happen at night in the dark, and she's giving like a play by play of calling out that woman's like adventures. Just drives me completely apeshit. I don't know what it is. Like there's that. There is the fact that somebody deputized the crows to essentially do the DCPD job, and they're never anywhere to be found ever. That is just weird. And also, like, this is what I realized watching while I was watching this. This is not Gotham City. How the hell is this Gotham City? This cannot be the same place Batman has patrolled his entire life. I don't care what they say. Like, there is nothing there that indicates Gotham City. What the hell is going on here? Like, I, I couldn't help. Like, I, I was just, I was aggravated watching this. Not because, well, I was also having connectivity issues on the CW uh, website, which I had texted you guys about. But, um, but I was aggravated because I'm just like, why can't this be interesting? It, it can be, right? I know it can be. I saw, I saw a balls to the wall crazy episode with you guys that I really liked, where I got to see Zaz pull out a freaking, uh, you know, uh, a awesome. missile launcher. All right, I was all into that. And then I got to see about that missile launcher. It was because it was a beautifully absurd moment. It was fun. Jonah um, will but never I, stop talking about the missile launcher. It's, it was Ever. look. I I might get a missile launcher just to surprise you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but, but then I also got a really good episode, like a legitimately good episode where where we had that like very haunting case of a child abduction and, and sort of with the jelly beans. Like that was a legitimately yeah, good episode. I enjoyed good. that. But so why why can't we get that anymore? Why does every episode have to be Kate Kane, Kate Kane, Kate Kane, Sandaya, maps? Ooh, Napier maps. Ooh, like who cares? Get like get forget about like whatever was there was just get rid of it. Kate Kane's gone. Forget her. I roll my eyes every time I see Sandaya. Just if you're going to give me this kick-ass Batgirl, and again, I a Batwoman rather, I'm sorry. Uh, I like <laughs> they're very different characters. Yes. I like the wo the woman who took over for Kate Kane. I always forget her name, but I, I like this woman playing Batwoman. Thank you. 
Um, I would like to see her do more street level stuff, like yeah. because this is her this is her background. She's a street level person who is motivated because she, because the streets have have, have uh, you know shaped her in some way. And Batman is a street level guy, so why are we? Screwing around with Napier maps and magic and Sandia, and we're gonna we're gonna resurrect KK. Why? Just give me Batwoman kicking ass on the, the real streets of Gotham. Give me some Gotham here. I mean, I don't know. That that's my take on no, it. You're it right. Frustrating. You're right. There's potential. There is potential for this show. I mean, it's not like there. It's not. You have a great setting. Just whatever. Again, it, it keeps going back. I feel like every week we keep going back to the fact that you should have just recast Kate Kane. And then that alleviates so many problems that they've had with this season. So well, many. I, look, I'm admittedly not watching this show because basically what? I got I was infuriated after like half the first episode, and I said I I can't, I can't do this. So I so I I can't. I'm not going to get into the crux of this whole thing, but I'll just tell you that TV shows typically that have gotten rid or had to replace a main character, you know, at any point let alone right after the first season. But there have been any show that has ever been successful at it has cut ties, moved on, and just basically gone to an, with another story forwarding on from there. And I'll give you an example. NYPD Blue is considered one of the greatest TV shows in the history of television, okay? <clears throat> David Caruso thought he was hot shit after 10 episodes of NYPD Blue and started to try to renegotiate his contract. He got into a huge... Um, negotiating uh, problem with ABC with Stephen Bochco and David Milch who ran the show and he basically said uh, no I'm going to leave and I'm going to go do movies which we all know how that worked out for him and he ended up on CSI later, many years later but after one year they had to write him out of the show so what they did was they wrote him literally completely out of the show Okay, they started with Jimmy Smith, Jimmy Smith's in episode four of the second season, and that dude just ran with it. But they didn't keep going back to him. They mentioned <laughs> him saying, oh, you know, like I worked with the last partner I worked with. We did this or whatever. Like they alluded to him, but yeah. they never went back to the idea of, you know, well, maybe John can come back and this and that. They just like let it go. And he moved on when Jimmy Smith's contract was up. They killed him off. They moved on to the next guy. It just you. It's the show continually had people that they had to write out and then and had to had to continue. And they did that. And this show, if, again, I'm not watching it. I'm just going by what you two guys are talking about. Mm -hmm. It seems like they have yet to do that. Cut bait. You killed the chick off. Move on. Yeah. Go something else already. No, like, I, I nobody agree. wants to hear about somebody that you know is never coming back. And I agree. And, and the thing is, as much as I would have think it would have been lame to kill her off screen, like they did, and the reasoning behind that, at this point, it's 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 really holding them back from something that I think that they could move forward with. Because I do like Ryan Wilder's character. I do like her as Batwoman, but it's just the overall story is holding like all the characters back from from moving forward on this, and it, and it blows. Just let her, you know, give her a chance to, you know, create her own, you know, like maybe you want to do it for an episode or two, you know, yeah. you want to do that transition and right. then let her take right. off from there. You're fucking six episodes into the season already. Like, give this girl a chance, and let her do her thing and forget this other girl already. She's gone. You're 
you're six episodes into a season and your main story arc of the season is finding the woman who's dead who this who's used to be batwoman like you don't make like as you said you do like an episode for the transition maybe two but you don't make the arc of your season going trying to get back to the old batwoman it doesn't make sense and it's not like you owe this girl anything. She quit on you, okay? So, like, kill her off, never mention her again, and then that's it. Like, and I know it's a crazy thing, too, though, before we before we switch to Black Lightning, is that it was pointed out that, uh, I think it was Screen Rant that had it, that during that special that aired after uh, the premiere of Superman and Lois uh, last week, that they showed this iconic, well, not iconic shop, you know, it's like a group of their, as I told you guys, the there's a CW Justice League, essentially, that formed. Uh, at the end of Crisis on Infinite Earths last year, and they had the shot. Kate Kane is originally in that shot. They photoshopped her out, like completely, like she, and they just moved Martian Manhunter over a little bit, as if she was literally never there. And it's like, all right, so you're really saying that she's done? Just do it with your show, man. Right. right. And by the way, and by the Back way, David Caruso, and I used to watch CSI Miami. His whole mm-hmm. thing. With taking the glasses off and then going into the, it's legendary. If you ever get a chance, it is one of the most ridiculous things ever on television. It is. It is. But I, but me, you know, say me and my father used to watch CSI Miami. I used to laugh my ass off every day. He, we used to get ready, be like, wait for it, wait for it. There's going to be a one liner, and then he's going to take the glasses <laughs> off, and then the music's ah, is going to kick in like the <laughs> It was every single episode without a shadow of a doubt. It's bro, I'm telling you, I've I have watched every episode of NYPD Blue multiple times over the years. Okay. It is one of my my favorite shows, Sopranos, this, that it's, it's one of my favorite shows. And I will tell you that they, that that he David Caruso was phenomenal in kicking that show off. But Jimmy Smith's completely blew him out of the water when he took over for that in that spot he he made that show his own and i you know like at the time you you were watching the show you're like it's so early on how are they going to recover from this and dude he just was he just did it i mean they changed over most of the cast and think about how many people were on that show amy brenneman was on that show right she moved on to to uh the judge amy or whatever her whatever show that was but she was she had a, a very successful career sherry stringfield moved on to to er she basically just disappeared when 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 caruso left he that was his ex-wife she disappeared too they just it, constantly they had people that had contract issues they just said okay you're gone and then they move on to the next one and that's it there was you have to do that and then not doing that and it just seems like it's just stuck in neutral because they can't move on from the, an actor that it's not even a chance that she's going to come back she just she's not on, on maternity leave or whatever the case is she's gone she quit on you yeah. so just cut bait and move on with your new actress all right so on that cue though we're gonna we're gonna cut bait and move on to black lightning season four episode four uh, Jason, why don't you uh, take us through Black Lightning? Because I, I, you actually hearing you talk about Black Lightning every week actually even got me more excited. And I want a Black I, Lightning is one of my favorite CW shows. You actually have found a way to reinvigorate <laughs> me with excitement for Black Lightning. So let's go do uh, it for us. I, I'm glad. And now, and in my rewatch, I have finished season two, so I am about to start the Markovian Wars very shortly. Nice, nice. So I'm going to say one thing about this show, this episode before I start. It's electric. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. Russo, baby, I got it. Ah, dun, dun, dun. Whoa. <laughs> All right. So I, I thought, again, I, I'm really digging this season a lot. 
I really enjoy, I'm really enjoying what we're getting. We still don't see Pierce in the suit, and I'm loving that. I am loving that. We're seeing, I mean, we're seeing his sort of like mental breakdown almost, and, and and he's catching himself, right? We see this in this episode. So like, just to really, I, I actually took notes. Can you believe it? I never take notes, but you put me in charge of Black Lightning. I'm taking it seriously. Um, I didn't so really, proud. right? Thank you, Dad. Thank I'm so you. Proud. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Um, I, yeah, so we start off with a really cool dream that shows uh, Black Lightning's or Pierce's uneasiness uh, with issues that he had that he's having in his marriage because uh, he found out that his wife um, had, was having dinner with Tobias. She still hasn't told him. Uh, he's also not really okay that she hid the drug addiction. So that's manifesting itself in his dreams. It's also manifesting itself in the fact that he's gone back to the fight club yeah. and he keeps going back. And he has, there are two moments I want to, and I'm jumping around a bit. I'm just, cause I don't want to spend 20 minutes on this, but um, there are two moments in the fight club that I really want to exemplify. The first is the scene between him and Lala, where Lala comes in and tells him that pretty much eventually you're going to lose, you need to stop. And he says, yeah, this is because I don't want you dying in my, my club. And, and Lala's a bad dude, right? There's no yeah. doubt. But I love, it's not just about that. He has this respect for Pierce. And this is what I love about this character. He garners this respect even from really bad guys because of his role in the community. And, and I found out in season two, he actually had a very... Um, he was very close with Lala when when he was younger in the school, right? He had he had seen Lala as someone who's going to be a success case. So to see that with that knowledge was really nice. And then you see Pierce go Fight Club in the Fight Club, right? Where he throws the guy down, he's winning, and he's just he's Brad, uh, Edward Norton in this guy, right? He's Jared Leto's on the bottom getting the shit kicked out of him, and they have to pull him off. Um, and I think this is really important too because what we're seeing in Pierce is this sort of you know, he's really trying to work out his issues, which he kind of admits at the end. And he's trying to work it out through the violence that he usually gets that release through the Black Lightning suit. But he doesn't have that. He doesn't want that. Right. So he's trying to still again, like I said last week, he's trying to establish his dominance as I mean, dominance personality wise as Jefferson Pierce saying, I don't have to be Black Lightning to be able to fix things or to work things out. Um, I think. Uh, another really important thing to touch on, uh, great scene where Jefferson's at the bar and he starts shit talking Black Lightning and it's the uh, the new guy, right? That was the new guy who uh, was Henderson's, the, the guy that Henderson put in contact with Black Lightning. Mm -hmm. um, gives this beautiful speech where he ends with, and I actually wrote it down, um, when you talk about Black Lightning, you put respect in that man's name. And he gives this like rousing speech about how Black Lightning saved him from being caught up when he was younger. And I think that's a nice moment because Jefferson is trying to, at this point, ignore that side of him. And that's a, a one more step further. I think the way this series needs to end is Jefferson Pierce being at complete, oh, completely okay with both sides of his personality. Right. First season, he didn't want to be Black Lightning, but he did. And then he realized he had to be to make the difference. You see that going through. This is and what is this? The Book of Reconstruction. Every episode is yes. the Book of Reconstruction. This is Jefferson Pierce's internal reconstruction to become a complete person, not just the, the community leader or the superhero. Um, speaking about that, to, important, Tobias Whale gets the mayor killed. 
right? And and I yeah. love me some Tobias Whale. He is a cold-blooded SOB, man. He there is no redeeming value in that man. I love it. Um, I mean, it's not. But again, I love the dude who plays him. And I think my prediction is is that he's going to be mayor in like the next two episodes. Like that's where that's going. Yeah, I can I can see that. Um, and let's see, is there anything else? Oh, and of course, the big thing is uh, lightning going into the ionosphere and seemingly exploding. Yeah, God. Now I don't think she's dead. I think there's going to be something to bring her back. Of course, it's a comic book, but yeah. um, but just that image of her being overtaken because she's such a she's such a powerful, cocky character, and to see her sort of get scared, which doesn't happen often, mm -hmm. uh, and then to just see her explode like that, I think it was very powerful. So all in all, for me, this was uh, a fantastic episode. I'm excited to get through season three this week. So no, no, no those are all. I mean, excellent points. The whole Jefferson and the Fight Club thing was was crazy, and then all, and then they find out like TC is able to because they were blocking mm -hmm. their faces when Jen is watching. TC's watching it at the uh, Black Lightning Cave, Gamby's thing, whatever yeah. the heck you want to call it, uh, their base. And then TC is there with her. They're watching it together, and then she asks to remove the face because she kind of recognizes him. And then Jennifer finds out that. That's her father in the fight club, and he's like just raw emotion, like you know, Screaming. like yeah, exactly, and like just letting all his anger out. And that was like a crazy thing. And I know at the end he makes this, you know, he talks to her through the door and says, I just need to work some stuff out essentially. I'm gonna be the man that I was, and that he's working on, which I agree. I think, buddy, we're definitely gonna get him back at, at, at in peace with himself. I'm curious to know at the end of this, being that this is the last season. How does it end for Jefferson Pierce, though? Because the only other CW show that has wrapped up, they killed Oliver Queen. So Did they really? I, I never got to the end of that. Yes. I'm sorry. Spoilers no, ahead. They're yeah. way into okay, this. Fine. But Oliver Queen dies at the end of uh, – he dies in Crisis on Infinite Earths. So technically he dies very early in Crisis on Infinite Earths, but he's a big reason how everything happens. Um, so I'm really curious to know because Supergirl and, and Black Lightning are both ending. I'm very curious to see – what they decide to do with the characters at the end. Um, a big moment for me in this episode of Black Lightning was the scene with Jefferson and Tobias in the restaurant. That whole sit-down thing. Every scene that they've had together, and you've seen Jason now, that they're not on screen a lot, hardly ever. No. But every single time, it's like electric. It is like, it is crazy. For wrestling fans out there, for those of you who watch the Just Too Sweet show, it's like having like Rock and Hogan Together in, in like the, yeah. like bananas, um, but then Tobias so actually has a dynamite line where he makes the joke about he's going to reveal uh, the Pierce family um, secret that they're all superheroes, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I'm going to tell everyone that you guys are, you know, like the Incredibles, <laughs> like that." Which I thought was hilarious. And that, was great, that was yeah. great. And in the Fight Club scene, uh, by the way, there's something I haven't I didn't talk about previously. The soundtrack for this show, the musical choices, week oh, in and week out, brilliant. are fantastic. There's a lot of like '90s, late '80s, like hip hop that's in there, and I'm I eat it all up. I, I I'm all here for it. But in the Fight Club scene, they use Brand Nubians, uh, punks uh, jump up to get beat down. Which once I heard that kick in, like the beginning, that's kind of like Rocky. Dun, 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 dun. I was like, yes, they're gonna do this, and we're gonna watch Jefferson kick the crap out of somebody, and this is gonna be awesome. <laughs> I was like hyped up in my seat watching this. Crap. And Angie's looking at me like, 
you're re- I'm like, you know, she's like, you're that excited? I'm like, yes. This is a perfect song to kick somebody's asses to. All they could have had was LL Cool J's mama said knock you yeah. out. And then that would have been you know, <laughs> they could still use that because it they starts could. off with don't call it a comeback. First yep. black, first black lightning, when he gets back into that suit, bam, that's what we they should show and show him kicking ass in the street. I, I, I love, love it. it. So Jason, specifically for you, I had to look this up. So there's the scene where um Anissa gives um Grace the comic book, right? Mm-hmm. Where she re-gifts it to and says, Hey, when I first met you, this was a comic book that you had in your back pocket because they share some love over comic book stuff. I think it was in season one or season two. You yeah. may have just seen it recently when they first meet. So she yeah, has season that. one. Yeah, so she lost it along the way. And Anissa, now her wife, is like, Hey, welcome to your apartment. This is it. Here's this comic book. So the comic book, once I noticed it was an actual DC Outsiders comic book, I'm like, this is a freaking Easter egg. And it's going to be one that's going to smack me in the face. So I got to check this out. So apparently the Outsiders uh, comic that was there was a team. The Outsiders are a team founded by Batman, by the way. So Batman and the Outsiders. And on that team, Batman recruits Black Lightning at one point. And he recruits Thunder. He recruits Anissa and various incarnations of Batman and the Outsiders. So that's that's something. And, And listen to this. So the Outsiders are formed in their fictional Eastern European country of Markovia. Bing, ah, which is ravaged wow. by war at the end time, Batman had attempted to enlist the Justice League's aid, Justice League of America's aid, but they pretty much, he was told that uh, that the Justice League was told to stay out of the conflict in Markovia. So Bruce Wayne, of course, was like, okay, obviously we're not, I'm not doing this. I'm going to form my <laughs> own team of like a special ops team to go in there and do that. So once he disagreed with it, uh, then Batman decided, you know, he sends in his whole team to Markovia, and they go to free uh, Lucius Fox from captivity in Markovia. Oh, cool. So more Batman ties. So, Jason, That's you were awesome. asking for DC stuff to read. I was. Batman and Black Lightning. See if you can get some, maybe a graphic novel of Batman and the Outsiders, and you'll get Batman and Jefferson Pierce together. Um, know, I'm, I'm going gonna, gonna to be searching for it as soon as this episode is over. <laughs> I, I I knew there had to be something there, man. There had to be something. I'm like, they just put it so close in our face. It was like it, it had it That's had a, to be something. Great catch, man. I didn't even think to look that up. Great catch. Yeah, it, it, it had to be something. It, it was kind of like too obvious for me, but um, all right. So let's let's go ahead and shift gears through our CW stuff, and let's go to Superman and Lois, uh, season one, episode two. Uh, Tony. Take take us through Superman and Lois for this week. Well, uh, first of all, I I really, I really like, I really like the show. I really do. I I think that it is cast perfectly. Okay, I love, I love the the dynamic between the the boys. I love the dynamic between between Clark and Lois. I love, um, I love General Lane and his interjecting and you know basically. His ability just to walk in and tell either Lois or Superman, like you're just flat out wrong. I mean, he's just he's he's per- he's cast perfectly in this in in this in this show. I love Dylan Walsh. I I, I you know back from the days he was on Nip Tuck, I, I I've always loved Dylan Walsh. <clears throat> so this episode sees them uh, obviously leave Metropolis, uh, move to Smallville, 
Um, this, you know, obviously things are a little different now, knowing that Jordan is the one that seems to have uh, the the abilities where John doesn't, and this is the first time where John is actually um, kind of out of his comfort zone. You know, being a popular guy at school, captain of football team, so on and so forth, and now having to completely relocate. So, um, but nice to kind of see that the the bond between the brothers, even though there's a little bit of animosity there, maybe a little bit of jealousy, and you know, but to, to, to see the bond between the two of them. And uh, it seemed to get a little bit closer, you know, as things, uh, you know, progress during the, during, during this episode, um, we get, uh, we get a, a, a window into Captain Luther. Uh, we get an, into a window into his, um, uh, the reason and the, the motive behind what he's doing and why he's following uh, Superman around, um, which is, by the time you get to the end of the episode, you're like, God damn, man. Like <laughs> I kinda, yeah. kinda I kinda understand where this dude's going with this, you know. Like <laughs> when he shows up in a black suit and he just be taking people out with the uh soldiers out with the with the with the uh his eyes, I'm like, whoa. Like, yeah, I completely understand why this dude is is doing what he's doing. Um I I thought the scene where Clark takes Jordan to uh, the Fortress of Solitude is is very very well done. The fact that he takes his crystal that he got from the ship, and uh, Jarrell is there and is able to you know kind of talk to him and you know it was it was excellent. And I, I and moving on from there, and I don't want to jump. There's a lot to cover tonight, so I don't I don't want to go too far into everything. But the the scene where Lois is at the um, is at the meeting. You know, you could see like if this is it's I I, I know the show is titled Superman and Lois. But we're really getting like Superman and Lois. Like this episode know, Lois, more than the first. Yep. Yeah, is, she is. Tony, I think you're you're having some. Yeah. Different, really, yeah. really like that about us and seeing her. Oh, okay. Am I back? Yeah, you're back. You were glitching a bit. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. So, um, what I was saying was, I really like the fact that Lois is definitely. This is a half and half show. You're getting half Superman and you're getting half of Lois, and mm -hmm. she's always played second fiddle and so on and so forth. To see her in action and see her with her journalistic abilities and you know and and and, 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 and you know firing her questions off at that meeting, it's I, I'm I really like how she's portrayed. I, I really really love it. Um, <laughs> Um, the, the thing about this episode, I think that I, I liked the most was that when, when Jarrell is telling Jordan that it's almost impossible for him to actually have Superman's abilities, yeah. right? Basically telling him you're too human. You just not, it's just not going to, it's not going to happen. So whatever you're thinking is happening is not actually happening. And for John, for Jonathan to say to him, I don't give a shit what some hologram says, I know you're special and I know what you can do and I'm going to help you find it. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you find it. Like that was just, that was awesome. Like it was just, it was really good. And like you're two episodes in and you're having moments like that between characters. Like that, that's a, that's a well-written show. That is a well acted show, well casted show. So I, I am, I am completely bought in on these guys. Uh, I, I like the dynamic between the two of them. Again, like I said, I, the, the, the boys are, are great. 
you know, um, the conflict between the parents and, and everything. And is some friction between, between Clark and Lois right now, which is, you know, obviously there's a lot of shit going on here. So, yeah. but it's, it's really, really good. I'm, I'm, I'm really into this and, uh, I, I'm, I'm really excited to see where they go with it. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So I think some of the things that I, I had noticed that was a little bit, um, I'm still trying to figure out exactly because they're, Still saying that this is in the CW verse, Arrowverse, whatever the heck it is. I mean, even I know, they say that I know. switching names. So the connection mm -hmm. there is this. So obviously, this Commander Luther, we find out once he takes his helmet on, helmet off. Um, he's probably not related to John Cryer. I'm just gonna throw <laughs> it out there. I, I I don't think so. I mean, maybe, maybe not. Um, I, I I don't think so either. So no, I don't think so. <laughs> but it's but, I I but I took it. You do say if I I'll no 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 go ahead. But I no I but I think I we agree on this already. We haven't spoken yeah. about it yet. Was this super this Commander Luther is from another Earth? That's I think that's pretty clear what they've said. At first, right. I was starting to wonder maybe he was from like the future or something or what. But I, he's obviously from another Earth where that Kal-el has and he calls him Kal-El. He doesn't refer to him as really Superman. He calls him Kal-El mm -hmm. straight out. Right. But he knows everything about him. And he has the black suit Superman, which they're using that. And they did use that a little bit in the Elseworlds uh crossover event from a couple of years ago. Um in the in the CW crossover for that year. Uh so that was something I don't think there's a connection. I think they're just using the suit again. Um but yeah so we're seeing that. So there the I can see where that's fine. Um and Lois's father was recast for this show because he was seen previously on Supergirl. And I'm pretty sure that's a completely different actor. But he's he has a lot to do in this one, though. And, he, and previously we saw him just kind of like screaming stuff and that's it, blah, 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 screaming at uh, uh, Lois's sister at that point. But um, th that's what we're saying. They've gave him a lot to do now. He has a lot of deep conversations with, with Clark, uh, you know, pretty much telling him, you know, you – told it now he finds out he told the boys about this and he claims that he's going to ruin their lives and their childhoods now just like uh you know lois i know more yeah, about lois yeah i know right, more about lois right. and uh telling me this is this is a big burden on her and you can see it's weighing a lot on him like we're getting yeah. to see that part of of clark kent superman that you know you don't get to see any other ones he's not saving cats out of trees and stuff and just pumping his chest out and everything like we're getting to see what happens when he more often than not when he's not out saving the world and you know, the teenagers and we all have been there. We know that they can be a pain in the ass and everything as we were pain in the asses too at, at one point. Uh, but there, yeah, there's a lot, man. There, there's a lot of cool stuff. And I agree, Lois, it really, this episode really brought it to the forefront that it is Superman and Lois. She has her own battles to fight. He has his battles to fight and they're trying to still work together to help their, their sons through this. Um, yeah, and she, she's definitely the she's the, it's it's a it's a one one a kind of a thing. Like there yeah. there's two there's two you know there's two parallel storylines going on there, which mm -hmm. I really like. And you know, and that that scene also with with um, with General Lane telling them basically telling Superman, you were wrong to do this. Like you yeah. should not have you should not have done this. And like, look, uh, uh, Jason will tell you. I mean, Jason's son is is young. You know, my my kids are a little bit older, but this is what you go through. Like as a, as an adult, as a parent, mm -hmm. like you know, you have your you have your work, you have you know your you know your, your responsibilities, and then you're constantly worrying about. You know what's going on with your children? Are they are they are they adjusting properly? Are they doing well in school? Like this, so it's it's you're seeing that, like you're seeing middle aged 
Superman who is trying to deal with family life with teenagers in high school and also with the idea that, you know, he needs to protect the world from now this this new threat and you know and he's being second guessed and he's being he's having problems with his wife his law you know he's got law, the loss of his mother like there's a lot going on for this guy right yeah. now and you can see it when you know when when he's having you know these confrontations and he's you know and he's you know these things that he has to do and what he's doing it's it's, it's you can see it's weighing on him and I, again it's 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 off to such a good start because you know you have emotion and you're already invested in these characters and you're only two episodes in yeah they've completely humanized superman which is also what i feel right. that uh zach snyder was you know going for in man of steel like it was the humanizing right. of superman and it's something that you don't really see a lot on a lot of other iterations uh jason what do you what do you what were your thoughts on superman and Lois this week oh i mean I, I loved it i'm really into this show uh it's given me something that I never thought I'd have, and that is an emotional attachment to Superman. Like I've said before, I'm just not. A, there's nothing wrong with Superman. It's just he's just usually not someone I get attached to because he's. I feel he's very powerful. There isn't much psychology. You don't really know much about who he is. I could never actually picture what he did on his time off as Clark Kent, like when he wasn't like actively pretending to be Clark Kent in public. But yeah. this show kind of lets me see that. What he does is. He fathers, and he he tries to do the best for his for his wife and his family, and 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 it, you said it perfectly, Eddie. It, this humanizes Superman in a way that I don't think has ever been done effectively. I know that Zack Snyder mm -hmm. tried to do it, and I think yeah. there there it's not it's not completely ineffective. I think he does give super he gives he humanizes Superman, but I think the difference here is this is humanizing Clark Kent as an actual character and oh. not just the phony baloney alter ego that we all know is BS that as soon as he does this, he's no longer Clark Kent. Don't work like that now because he's got kids and he's got a wife and he's got real life responsibilities that everyone else does. And as Tony said, juggling those responsibilities with your children and your family and you know, I even like this, like something because I'm a new parent and I have this thing where, you know, there's me when I'm a parent and there's me when I'm not a parent. And I have to I have to juggle those two personas because they're both me, but I don't want to, you know, be a, a raunchy loudmouth in front of my son. And I'm not, you know, uh, but but this is but I see Superman now going through this. Right. He says it at the end. He's like, you know, this is who I am and I can't turn my back on the world, but. I'm also your dad, and I can't turn my back on you. And I think right. that that line really sums up what's really drawn me into this. Um, and then also, as you guys said, the Lois stuff. I think you know Lois has her own villain she's go going up against this. Yeah, like this. Right. I mean, yep. it's fantastic, and 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 to see Lois Lane going up against a villain that, as a reporter, you are equipped to take on. It's right. and it's so it's, it's it's making it very clear. Yes, you're gonna get some kick-ass Superman stuff. You're gonna get to see Superman fly and be Superman, but you're also gonna get to see some other more complex, real sort of down-to-earth stuff. And I think it's really drawing me into not just the show, but the character of Superman. Yeah, and and actually, right here, there's a great comment here by by Jonathan Hamilton. Uh, Jonathan, thanks for joining the show. This is the first time I've seen you comment on this. Oh, so welcome uh, aboard. Welcome to the PhD. Um, my brother-in-law. <laughs> so, oh, okay. So check, so check this out. This is something I could use to explain something. Uh, I wonder if Captain Luther and Lex, John Cryer's Lex, are going to run into the same problem that happened when there were two Beths on Batwoman, where they both couldn't exist in the same universe for very long. So this is great because it ties into 
Jonathan watches Batwoman apparently because he saw what happened when there was there. There was there was two bets that were on Batwoman at one, you know, that was simultaneously, and it was right after Crisis Crisis on Infinite Earths, and it finds out that they couldn't coexist, and one was like fading away. So he's just wondering mm -hmm. if this Captain Luther and John Cryer's one are we going to see one of them vanish or disappear so they can acknowledge both of them. That that's actually a really really interesting point there, Jonathan. That, that's I got to admit that's something I didn't think of, but that's a great reference to um, to both of them. But we'll see. Absolutely. Yeah, we we I mean all three of us. It's clear we're dying to see what happens on, on Superman and Lois next week since we we've bought all in and we're full steam ahead with this. Um, speaking of going full steam ahead, the Flash is back for season seven for episode one. So they had their season premiere. Are on Tuesdays, which is why we moved our show over to accommodate for Superman and Lois and, and Flash. Um, so it, it was an episode that, and, and Flash for me has been kind of like up and down over the years, just like Arrow was. We got off to a really strong start, and then it was just kind of like, all right, we get it. There's another speedster. Barry Allen, even though in the intro he said, well, the old intro, he used to say he was the fastest man on, on alive, but we found out uh, maybe you're not. Because there's always seemed to be a villain who's faster. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, they've gone away from that, though, successfully. They've gone away where we haven't had, like, a speedster being the main villain and, and stuff for a little bit. So they did decide to change that up. Uh, but this episode kicks off, uh, which is kind of like the ending of last season because a lot of these CW shows were cut short an episode or two last year due to COVID. They just couldn't finish making the episode. So a lot of their next seasons are going to be kind of like the ending of a story arc that ended last year. So the end, last year's story arc was about the Mirrorverse, which, you know, Barry is trying to save um, – he's currently trying to save um, Iris from. Iris is trapped in the in the Mirrorverse. So we, we see that's going on. Uh, Barry is also – the Speed Force was destroyed. So they were, you know, Team Flash and everything were working on a – artificial speed force so Barry can get his speed. When we pick up this season, we see Barry's like sleeping in a chamber and he almost has to be like activated um, by Chuck. I believe, yeah, I think the character's name is Chuck. He kind of like there, they have like kind of like two subs in because uh, Cisco and um, and Caitlin are off on their own adventures at the moment. Um, so they have, they had Chuck goes in and activates and as soon as they see an alert pop up, Hits the button, wakes up Barry. Barry's out of it. He has like 1% of the speed force left. So he's running out of it. Soon he's not even going to be the Flash. He's just going to be Barry Allen, you know, um, CSI detective soon. But he was CSI Central City. Did it! But some interesting things we find out, though. Like Eva, Eva created Mirror Master, which was a villain that they used really early on. And Kind of like dipped away with, and once they went back to Mirrorverse, I was like, "All right, so is there anything with Mirror Master? Is she going to become like the new Mirror Master?" So we find out that she created Mirror Master as one of her like replica people that are in the Mirrorverse, and then she kills him. So that's that's done. So we don't have to worry about Mirror Master apparently anymore. Uh, and then and then there's an opening there's in the early on in the episode. There is a dream sequence, which I found pretty interesting though. Well, there was a nod to Clark Kent. By the way, because they uh, apparently Iris and Barry are sitting down at a dinner, and they have a bunch of food from all over the place, which was assuming that Barry was running around grabbing food, which was a pretty cool idea, by the way. Uh, and then there was something that that uh, that Barry stopped in Metropolis for, and he's like, "Oh yeah, that was Clark's idea," which we know is Clark Kent. Yeah. So that was cool, and I I'm dying to see more of that relationship with Clark. This 
now non-jobber Superman Clark Kent with Barry Allen because Flash ain't going anywhere anytime soon. So that would be great. Um, and then we see at the end of the episode that Wells sacri ultimately sacrifices himself to have his, he has particles of the multiverse because last year we learned that once the multiverse collapsed, the, those particles and different wells from all the other uh, Earths came into him and they were kind of like he was hearing them in his thoughts. Um, which is kind of, I'm actually, and he, I'm sorry, he sacrifices the multiverse particles to power the new, the artificial speed force because it needs a power to, to get it kickstarted. So he sacrifices himself for Barry because he knows Barry needs to save somebody and, and be the hero that, you know, that he is. So we get that. And the whole Wells thing, Jason, like over the years, they had in different Wells from a different universe all the time. And it was kind of a running joke and it was fun. But I, I think the joke kind of got stale a couple of seasons ago. And I think this was like a heartfelt way to pretend to uh, potentially end it with that. Um We'll see, but I also don't believe that there's ever going to be no wells on the show. What I think yeah. is we see, we see. I can't remember the guy's guy's name is uh, Escape Man down that plays uh, Harrison Wells and all the other wells. Um, but Reverse Flash is still out there, so and he seems to use that face, that Wells face, constantly. So that's where I would like to see him use that face, and that's how we get that actor to continue on with the show. Uh, and then in the final scene, we find out that Eva, big plot twist, by the way. Eva actually died in that whole accident that happened. And the one that we have, the villain, is actually a mirrorverse reflection of the Eva that was dead. This whole time we were believing that Eva got sent uh, got uh, by uh, through an accident, was smacked into the mirrorverse, and she finally escaped by tricking Iris to go to go in. So we find out that she is a she is a mirrorverse reflection character. Um I, and it was an episode I really enjoyed. I really liked this episode. Uh, Jason, what did you think for someone who kind of like, I was hoping I, I gave the context because I know you're in between. It was a time. Yeah. Game. No, no, no. You caught me up on a lot. Um, no, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I, I was kind of lost at some points. Like I, I don't, I don't know who the two new like flash crew are because I, I, I you know, I'm used to Cisco and Caitlin, but yeah. I figured they were up to something else. Um, I knew Wells. Uh, I knew Wells. They were doing the Wells thing because I, I think the last time I saw him, he was H HB, the guy who liked to drum a lot, the really annoying guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, reference. And I, yeah, uh, I really love that actor. I really hope they find a way to use him again. I think what you said would be perfect because he wasn't Harrison Wells in the first season, right? I mean, he was Reverse Flash, so yeah, exactly. it would make sense for them to bring him back. Is that if they wanted to use the actor again? Um, it was kind of refreshing to not see him fighting a speedster because I think that might like the last time I watched it was when he was fighting the 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 fractal of himself. Yes, um, um, that, I forget what it was, but it, I think that was like third or fourth season where he had to Iris was going to die and he had to save himself. So that's kind of where I fell off on it. Um, and part of it was I just got sick of watching him fight speedsters. I I, I was just like it. I wanted something else, but this was really cool. Like I, I enjoyed the mirror universe stuff. I, I thought that twist was really cool. Um, so yeah, even though I was a bit confused at first, this episode I found incredibly enjoyable and I may go back uh, to, to catch up if for no other reason than to see exactly how some of those alternate Harrison Wells fit into the season because that guy was like Barry and Harrison Wells, like doing the Harrison Wells impressions. That was great. Uh, 
that they were working overtime, man. If they can do that, put that in that time and effort into it, I can go back and dip a little bit into the seasons and see what's going on. Yeah, once you finish your Black Lightning rewatch, which you don't have a lot to go because those are only no. twelve episodes, maybe you maybe you jump in Flash then and and catch up there. Yeah, because they they did start eventually going away, and they would bring a speedster in once in a while. And then is the uh, his daughter is a speedster who comes back, and and they're they have a kind of a cool dynamic too. That was that was on the episode. Uh, Jonathan was also jumping in with. I'm interested to see what will happen with Reverse Flash as he was in he uh, he was inside Nash too. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's 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 yeah. actually a really good point. I was that trying to remember point. all the stuff that had happened last year with it because I didn't I didn't go back to jump with it, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm ex- pretty excited to see where Flash goes from here because again, this was for me this was a refreshing episode because this show like Arrow was just kind of like back and forth, back and forth. I, I wasn't sure what to make of it. I mean, I'm not going to give up on a damn thing at this point. I'm already six invested. I'm going to see the damn thing out. So, um, yeah, that was that was pretty cool to see. Um, but let's let's move along to WandaVision. Episode eight. So we get into the second to last episode. We're all texting. We we, we got to see it pretty early. We're, we're doing our thing. We're trying not to speak to each other essentially because we're like, oh, save it for the show, save it for the show. It's hard. Um, it is really difficult, man. It, it is it is really difficult. And I'm sure with the season finale this week, it's gonna be damn near impossible. Um, but no we'll, we'll see, man. So the opening scene, uh, takes place in Salem as Akatha is about to be punished by her fellow witches and her mother. And she ends up killing all of them and essentially like stealing their magic, right? Like just absorbs yeah. it from them. I mean, she's stone cold, man. She killed her mother. So that's, it's, it's a pretty big deal. Uh, but I'm going to say, though, she tried to talk her way out of that. I don't think did. her intention was to kill them at all. I think they left her with no choice, and she did what she had to do. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, while we go through this, this episode, man, you could have got the tissue boxes out, man, because there was some oh, really God. sad shit going on. It was Seriously. this was like was this was yep. like the most emotional episode, I think, out of like the whole season so far. Oh, there's no question. There's and no meanwhile, question it was just kind of like, re- well, yeah, because you could see that they were recapping you know, what? how did Wanda get to this point besides answering some of the questions that we've all had? Um, so the big re- a big reveal that some guy had called pretty early on, and I'm going to go ahead and just pump my chest out about this, is that what the inspiration <laughs> for the sitcoms were. So we find out that the sitcoms were an inspiration from her childhood. Uh, she was watching these in Sokovia, and I know I said, I just thought it was like, hey, maybe that's what was on Sokovian TV. But we found out that Wanda's, Wanda's father was essentially you know, either bootlegging movies or buying bootlegs or whatever, and he had box sets, and he would let his, you know, he would let her and Pietro pick out what they were going to watch. Uh, so they would watch it together and stuff. Um, and then we find out, though, that the Stark Industries missile that we heard about in Age of Ultron that was there that didn't go off for a while... Agatha essentially says you made that go continue for days because she does say in Age of Ultron that it went on for days. Two and days. Find, yes, yeah. two days, right? It was two whole days. And it was the beeping and beeping, which, by the way, was probably the beeping that we heard in that toaster, the Stark Industries mm-hmm. toaster commercial yep, yep. In, in the first episode. Um, same light. same the, the light was exactly the same, too. So Yeah, exactly. So there, there's a lot of callbacks now. So for people who were confused about stuff and didn't know what to make of the show early on. You're getting it's all coming full circle now. 
Um, but they, but Agatha alludes to that she had her own abilities to stop that missile from going off early on. Um, you guys, you guys got anything further about this this flashback? Because at this point, Agatha was just taking her through, you know, her memories to try to figure out. Like she knows she has her magic, and she wants to find out how what the hell's her secret. She Agatha wants the magic for herself, but this is our first stop in it. You know, it's it's funny because to me, this this episode is like a, a it's like a Scrooge type of a thing where yeah. it's that, you know, she goes in and she's like, she's going to take her to her past and how and all these different things. And she's doing basically what we're doing and just breaking it down. She's mm-hmm. watching what happens. She's mm-hmm. using her memory. Right. Because she has her now under her control so she can basically access her memory, take her where she needs to take her and she could see exactly what happened now. What's interesting to me about all of this is that Agatha hasn't been able to do this to this top to this point. She doesn't know how she got where she is, how she did this, you know, and it goes back to that episode where Sparky dies. Right. Which obviously we know now that she did that shit on purpose. Mm -hmm. Right. And what she said, she goes, you can can you can do that. You can bring him back to life. And because she was doing all this shit to see what she could what she could do what her abilities were because she's genuinely confused right Mm -hmm. and she was genuinely confused genuinely confused about what you know how she got to this point Mm -hmm. but that 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 scene where she kind of goes through all of that and she's explaining to her and she's got her you know you know tied up essentially and she's you know taunting her Basically, I have your kids, you know, this is what we're going to do. And she says, we have work to do. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm, we don't even know what that shit is yet, but I cannot wait to find out what that, what that is. But that was not a throwaway line. That is no. definitely leading into it. So, but. So, Jason, you go. yeah, Jason, you got anything on the, on the first stop? Because, yeah, so we're, this is, we're dealing with the first stop here where, where she's talking about Sokovia and stuff like that. So what do you got? Uh, I'm just going to throw it because you guys have said I think everything needs to be said. I'm just going to throw a, a fun piece of trivia. That specific Dick Van Dyke show they're watching mm-hmm. is one of the, it's the only because I've seen every episode of the Dick Van Dyke show at least twice. I grew up watching that stuff myself on uh, Nick at Night when I was a kid. It's the only Dick Van Dyke show that has at the time what was considered creepy overtones because the whole episode is about a dream about these walnuts that keep appearing that he gets rid of and and there's possible alien interference and I don't think that has anything to do with what's going on but yeah. I just think it was a very and we even see that the um, the shot of Mary Tyler Moore you know sliding down the walnuts coming out of the uh, the door so I just thought uh, trivia wise it's a really cool episode to have chosen because it's the only episode that it, it sort of goes sci-fi for the time so that's all I want to add no, and that's no, that that's actually a, a great thing because I mean I, I watched some of that night, but I mean I, I did not get into the Dick Van Dyke show much. I was more like the monkeys or whatever the hell like, uh, so I was watching. <laughs> like, can't do that on television or something. Uh, so Alex is dropping in here. Did anyone else notice the shadow of Scarlet Witch while Wanda was touching the Fitty Stone? Alex, we're actually getting right into that. We're yeah, we're gonna jump stop. right into that. Now that is our next stop on the you know Wanda. This is your life. Uh, you know train that we went on with Agatha this week. Um, so it shows that the next stop is they, they stop into when she was being experimented on by Hydra, which again is something that we saw in the post credit scene of, um, winter soldier and then led into age of Ultron. Uh, Wanda's abilities were 
there all along, which we had mentioned with the missile going off, uh, but were highlighted by the Mind Stone during her time with Hydra. So the Mind Stone also happens to be the same Infinity Stone that was powering Vision for, for quite some time as well. So you can see where there's a big connection there. Um, she is shown seeing a vision of, of the Scarlet Witch because you can see like her comics accurate costumes there that she's staring kind of like into the Mind Stone and seeing that whole thing and things are happening. So I thought it was also interesting though, this scene, because it was like showing someone like a kind of like a teenage Wanda, like some big things happening, pushing her to essentially release an ability that was there, which all of us who are familiar with X-Men comics, that's kind of when mutants tend to show their abilities. They tend to manifest in adolescence. So it is an interesting thing. I don't know if I'm fully on board to say they're acknowledging that mutants already existed, that maybe Wanda's just got kickstarted by the Mind Stone, or is that what you guys are thinking? Like, are, are you guys thinking that that's kind of what was being communicated here? I I, I, I can go, I can, see, here's, here's the thing, I can go one of two ways. Like, Agatha is, Agatha thinks she's a witch, a straight-up witch, right? And we know that in the comics she has been a mutant. But also, even I've been doing a little research, even that's questionable. That goes back and forth because sometimes she's a mutant. Sometimes the high evolutionary messed with her. Sometimes yep. she's this. So so I think like her origin, her powers are so in flux. I don't know if I if I think it's – I don't know what it is, but I definitely think that it's uh, it was enhanced by the Mind Stone. Uh, for sure. The, whatever she had there, whether she's a true witch or a mutant, the Mind Stone sort of drew that out. Yeah. Tony, what do you think? Do you think that she... Are they alluding that mutants exist? I don't think so. I mean, I would love to think that they are, but I, I don't think that that's... I don't think that, that's where this is going. Um, I, I agree with Jason. I think that this is all about um, the Mind Stone basically unlocking that, that, um, that power within her. And... You know, you saw it, and she says it actually in the next scene, right? But what her envision, you know, like when when they were in the room in in Infinity War, and he says it's trying to tell me something. You know, you speak to it basically, and she comes over and she's like going like this or whatever, and she's essentially communicating with the Mind Stone. That's uh, the, part of the bond that they have, obviously. Again, which we'll see later on is you know is the fact that they both have their ability or they're both tied to the same infinity stone so i, I definitely think that that's kind of where they're going with that <clears throat> and showing first of all them you know the two scientists saying that nobody has survived whatever they're doing with this with the stone at that point and the fact that she can and look we saw you know anybody who has come in contact with an infinity stone and has survived has ability you saw it with with uh, with peter quill okay when he had when he when he touched the power stone um you know you saw wanda was able to destroy the infinity stone uh the the mind stone in in infinity war so you know it it seems to me like they're just they're just con continually knocking on that infinity stone door, and that's the connection I think between yeah. her power and is getting as powerful as she is now from getting it from the the the, the stone actually unlocked it that it was already in there all along. Yeah, and then we also and saw what happens when someone who doesn't well, you know, Bruce Banner has his ability, you know, the Gamma when he does his snap in in Avengers Endgame. And you can see it still really messes up his whole arm, and he's in absolutely. A of it. Mm -hmm. And then we also saw, unfortunately, with Tony Stark, 
who has no abilities, unfortunately, what would happen when he handles the Infinity Stones. Uh, and Thanos, too. I mean, look at look, yeah. look what happened to Thanos. Yeah. Because when he, when he snapped, you know, he, his, I, th- I believe what they said is that he's practically impenetrable, right? So for him to, to snap the stones away and then to, you know, to be as in his weakened state as he was after the fact, you know, you see the power of the, of, of all the stones. So, you know, that's uh, the, the fact that the, the, the stone unlocked that potential. Now I would love to know what, how they, what they did to Pietro. Did he have the, did he get the abilities from the stone the same way? Uh, you know, they, they kind of, you know, skipped over that part. So I, I, I was, I'm wondering if that ever will come out, but she got her, her ability. She, the, the, I don't think she got her ability from the stone. I think she had the ability. I think yeah. it, you know, yeah, do I want, I don't want to say that it mutated because that's going to, that's going to say it's sending it down the wrong road. I feel like the, that the mind stone unlocked that power that was already in there. So I, so before we move on, I'm sorry, no, before we move on from that scene, I just, there was something I noticed, which I think there's a connection. I don't know if it means anything, but usually if I, there's a connection, it's purposeful. When she touches the Mind Stone, if you remember the, the doctors on the outside, they're watching the tape and it keeps skipping much like in the same way when they were watching the TV and she used her powers and was sort of out of character, uh, it just sort of skips ahead. And they're like, well, where, where's that scene? So I I, I think that's going to pay off. I think that had to have been in there purposefully because they lingered on that a bit. Yeah, no, that Jason, that's actually an excellent catch. I'm going to admit I, I, I did not catch that one, and that's, that is an excellent catch right there. I, uh, I, I looked at that, and, and just to follow that up, I, I, I looked at that as they – they have no idea what happened, right? Mm-hmm. That's the way I took it as, is that the Mind Stone basically, you know, came out and approached her. They don't see any of that, but that all happened, and it's just, it's like it never really existed. It was like it was she was there, and she was, to, you know, and then whatever happened instantaneously happened, and she collapsed. So, but that was the Mind Stone communicating with her, and then again, you know, whatever whatever it did to her to unlock the power that she already had inside of her, and that's what it is. So that it was it was all all that whole episode that she had didn't exist in their world. It was just right here for her. That's the way I took it, at least. Right, but what I'm saying is, like, there's the connection to when she kind of loses it in other episodes, and they're watching it, and it goes that's- from. Her mm-hmm. sort of, you know, so I, I think there, even if it's just a, a even if it's just a, an image connection of, oh, this is what happens when she kind of loses focus. I think mm-hmm. that was still a purposeful like motif they threw in there for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So actually, we're gonna first time commenting with us, Steve Rogan. <laughs> Steve Rogan is in the house, my man. What is up? Uh, question is, What's up, Steve? Is, is Wanda attracted to Vision partly because of the of the Mind Stone? That's a good question. That's, that's an interesting question. I think it's a nice way to lead to lead into it, in which, by the way, Jonathan Hamilton likes uh, Grogan's question as well. Um, I'm going to lean on the side of no because of the next team that we're about to. I agree with you 100%. Yeah, I think they kind of it's going to show where, where that was. Uh, I, I I think that, that, that this next scene is really where she starts to, you know, she starts to fall in love with him and that's it's and this is such a phenomenal scene this might be the best scene that we've that we've had in the entire run of the show this 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 scene coming up that we're going to talk about now is just it's just fantastic 
Yeah, so the scene we're referring to is then, uh, so in the next stop, which, by the way, Grogan has another thing before, which is pretty dynamite. I, I got to drop this in here. Is I like how Agatha walked her through her painful <laughs> memories like a demented therapist. Yes. That yes. is so spot on. That it is. is yeah, no, absolutely, Grogan. That, that's 100%. That is a perfect way to describe Agatha Harkness in, in this episode, man, because she's like, you can tell, like, she's demented. She's smiling a lot. She's having, she's almost taking some joy out of this, that this is happening, which also leads to uh, Jonathan's question because these, these guys are killing it over here. Uh, anyone else think Agatha is going to train Wanda like in the comics? I'm going to say no because I'm more on the side of I think Agatha is full evil. In, in the MCU, at least. And I know what you're referring to, but I'm going to just say that I think they they changed that up a little bit for this. Um, so the next uh, stop on the, you know, this is your life, Wanda, train that we were on, that we're on this week is, uh, uh, it's a heartbreaking scene, honestly. And it was one that kind of like hit home for me pretty hard as well. Um, that shows Wanda and Vision watching, sitting down in the uh, Avengers compound, which was probably... Uh, sometime before it was right. I'm gonna guess this was right after Age of Ultron because you could tell she's still dealing with Pietro's death a lot. I don't think this was. It was. It, I don't think this was Civil War time. It's even probably before Civil, Civil War. War. Probably before. Yeah, yeah. Civil that, War that's time. what I'm guessing. Mm -hmm. Um, so they're watching an episode of Malcolm in the Middle together in Avengers Combound, and then I, I got Vision's whole quote there because Wanda's explaining to. Uh, vision essentially what the loss is doing like it, it's kind of like waves right every time she thinks she's gonna get up and she's gonna be you know kind of like move on for a second another wave hits her and she doesn't think that she can get back up so vision's uh insight to this is uh quote well because it can't all be sorrow can it i've always been alone so i don't feel the lack it's always it's all i've ever known i've never experienced loss because I have never had anyone loved to lose. And then is the quote that pretty much like everyone is going for, and it is super powerful. And it's an original quote, by the way. Uh, what? But what is grief, if not love persevering? I mean, that is really... Beautiful. I, yeah, it's beautiful. And it's really what is at the heart of this show so far. Because this episode, if nothing else, hammers home, you know, Wanda's grief and how much she's lost, you know? <laughs> up until this point and you know we'll get to what happens after that and what, what caused this but it's really really like hit home there and it, it explains to you you know vision is is becoming humanized there and he's he's really giving some insight there and you could tell it clicks and i do think that that's essentially the moment that she fell in love with vision you know regardless of whatever you know synthesoid uh you know vibranium synthesoid they referred to him as in the season it, she doesn't care. It's just like she's—he's been that humanized. Yeah, I think that mm -hmm. that, and you know, like this is a girl who, at a young age, lost her parents, lost her brother, um, lost her city, uh, and at some point, technically, after the Sokovia Awards, lost her humanity. Her humanity almost, you know, looked at looked at as a you know superhuman, not as just a regular person anymore, and you know, seeing her sit there. And I, and I know we've talked about it before, but that the 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 acting in this show for Paul Bettany and for Elizabeth Olsen has just been unbelievable. I mean, if if one of these two doesn't get 
does not get nominated for some kind of award, I'm going to be fucking pissed, bro. Like, seriously. Like, they really have acted the shit out of this show. Mm. And, you know, like, you see, you know, you, you, you see movies all the time. You watch shows all the time. And to hear a line like that in a Marvel comic Disney Plus show, right, that has hit home for so many people, really. I mean, I have seen that quote about 50 times over the course of the last five days. Mm-hmm. And it is just, it's a, anybody who's ever lost anyone that means anything to them can, can completely identify with that, with that quote. And I, I just, I was blown away. I had, I had tears in my eyes. I'll be honest with you when, when, when he said it and just to see the two of them sitting there together and, you know, like, you know, knowing, you know, again, knowing the backstory of what she been, she has been through to this point. Uh, it was it was it was beautiful. It was a beautiful scene, and I, that's why I say like this. This is probably the best scene of this entire show, and probably the best scene I've seen in a show in in many many years. It was really 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 well done, and it's a beautiful quote. I saw someone had a comment said that the, that the girlfriend wants to get that as a tattoo. <laughs> yeah, that's right. If, if if there is ever if there is ever a quote that you want to have for the rest of your life that you carry around with you. That would be it from at least for me. That would be it. Yeah. No, I, Tony, I'm 100% with you on that. I, I fully agree. Jason? I think, uh, I mean, of course, I mean, I'm not going to gush over the quote like uh, anymore because you're, you've, you're right. It was beautiful. Like there's, you know, uh, but, but I think there is something important about this scene too that, uh, there's a line that people probably missed because, uh, because it was overshadowed by this beautiful line, uh, that really sets up why, why sitcoms because, uh, they're watching Malcolm in the middle. Yeah. And the house falls on um, on the father. I forget his name. Uh, you know Heisenberg, and uh, Wanda laughs, and and Vision goes, "Is it funny because he's you know grievously injured?" And she goes, "No, he's not, because that's not the way these shows end." Well, it's, it's not, not that, that, that kind, kind of show. show. Yeah, it's not, not that, that kind, kind of show. show. That's it. It's not that kind of show. Well, he that's says, why... "He says, how do you know?" He even says, "How do it. you know?" And she says. It's not that kind of show. Not that kind of show. That's why it's a sitcom, right? Because that is safe to her. It's this can't end badly if she makes it every every day a sitcom because it's yeah. not that kind of show. So I thought that little insight into why it eventually becomes sitcoms here. I thought that was a really cool like plant in that episode that that scene mm-hmm. as well. Agreed. No, it's good, Jason. That's actually that's a really great catch too. Is that and that was something that Rick. Had um had reached out to me about too. He feels like that was not a throwaway line at all. That that's probably no. something that's going to be foreshadowing what potentially we could see. You know exactly when maybe that was her motivation for creating the sitcom atmosphere because she was safe and everything like that. Um, or it's I don't think that this is going to end well next week. <laughs> <laughs> Props on Grogan um, and Props on Machine on the very Shakespearean. Uh, quote there by by Vision. Um, yeah, it could be foreshadowing exactly what's going to happen, but I also just don't think that this is going to end well for a lot of people. We'll get into our predictions at the end of the segment. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's, she creates a safe space, and, and that's kind of how she sees it, and that's why she selected it. That's a really good catch. Um, but then after that scene, though, we also get into a present-day thing, which we find out a massive, massive reveal, by the way. And it's also something that Smacks down a theory that we had. We thought that Wanda was playing Weekend at Bernie's with Vision's body Bye-bye. the entire time. Mm-hmm. And oh no, it definitely was. She's definitely not. So we find out that 
um, Wanda went to the sword facility looking for Vision's body. And then she was let in. Hayward, Director Hayward lets her in, lets her see the body, and essentially kind of does give her a nudge to go in there to say goodbye to get close to that body as well. She says her goodbye, right? And she another powerful scene, by the way, when she touches Vision, she says that she can't feel him. Now, if you remember, that's a callback also to Infinity War when she, you know, when she says she can feel him. So that was also pretty another like kind of heartbreaking scene right there. That was that was there. So our weekend at Bernie's thing was SmackDown, but we also find out that apparently that footage that we've been seeing that Hayward is showing people that's in like the sword, you know, uh, archives is total bullshit. That Wanda never went in there and started kicking ass and never stole Vision's body. They've had Vision's body the entire time, and they dissected it and broke it the hell down. Um, so as we've learned in the MCU, you can't trust a lot of government agencies. Because it seems like there's always a faction, at least. Because we found that with S.H.I.E.L.D., that Hydra was behind this. We don't know. Who even knows? Maybe Hydra infiltrated S.W.O.R.D. at some point eventually, too. I, I don't know if I want to go there yet. But there's apparently something nefarious going on. Because you got Hayward. Think back a few episodes. Hayward is obviously up to something with his, his uh, Operation Cataract. Which is you know has to do with Vision. And we find mm -hmm. out more on that soon. And then we know that Monica Rambo has her part of S.W.O.R.D. <laughs> who hooked her up with that tank that didn't work eventually. But apparently if you were working with Hayward, you never would have went behind the back and helped Monica out. Um, so, I mean, guys, what the hell is going on with director Hayward here? Like what, what is going on here? I have a, th I have a theory. Lay it on us. All right. So we saw the video uh, that he showed everybody about her busting in and, taking vision out of there right um i think and, and you see that hayward is also extremely agitated during those scenes whereas when when wanda goes into sword to visit him to see him basically he she walks out she goes in she sees him she walks out and that's the end of it i'm wondering if hayward and everybody in that room is has a different view of what actually happened because that view was put there by somebody. You understand what I'm saying? I, I understand what you're saying. I think that that makes more sense that this, this whole thing, whereas Wanda's the villain mm -hmm. where she's not really the villain, but she's made out to be the villain. Yeah. And I think that that's that. I, I think that that's where that's going to end up. Because you saw that she went in there, she was calm, she was upset, but she was calm. He he didn't try to hide it. He told him they told him exactly what was going on. Now, obviously, as we get into the post credit scene or the mid credit scene, whatever you want to call it, um, when when we get to that, we see that Hayward has obviously done something else, which I'm a little bit nervous about, which we all probably are. But you know, to 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 see how he was at that point to let him come in you know to let her come in to see what was going on you know even letting her go down there and then letting her walk out of the facility essentially that's not the same Hayward we've been seeing for the last couple of weeks so yeah. it seems that his mind has definitely been poisoned towards she's the real threat here okay and yeah exactly why is he somebody who we think he is maybe he's somebody else 
Mm, I, don't I don't know. Could I don't know. But... The devil? The devil, you say. <laughs> it's, possible. <laughs> it's possible. I mean, he's, the, he, he's, he's showing up sometime or another. That's, I'm convinced of that. So. Yeah. Um, but, all right, so we can we move on to the to the next scene right there, which we also find out that after Wanda leaves the facility, she drives back to Westview, New Jersey, just gets in her car. It's kind of like, all right, you know, I've she's distraught and everything like that. And then we get another punch, uh, gut punch here, oh. is that when she gets out, she goes to a a, a a land that's there that apparently it looks like Vision purchased for them, and she opens up like um kind of like a, a map or is it like a deed or or something like it's like paper yes, stuff. The, the deed, it's yeah, a it's deed, the right? Deed to the property, yep, deed to the property. So a deed to the property, and you can see there's like a little note on there that says, you know, it's for them to grow old together. V, and she reads that, she drops to her knees, and she just completely lets it all out. And you can see what she lets out turns ends up creating the she ends up creating the hex out of pure anger and pure emotion right grief. there. Grief, grief, like all of it wrapped up into it. And she just lets it all out and boom, everything changes little by little, blah blah blah. And then we see the creation of her own vision. So she doesn't have the body, she literally created her own vision. Who can fly? Who can do things that Vision normally can do? And it also explains why he doesn't have think. any memory. Think who on his own. Think. Yeah, mm -hmm. and she stops yeah. controlling and thinks independently, much like Tommy and Billy do, though, too. Because remember, they do yeah. think. So the three living you know, people, creatures that she created, all can think on their own, too. So she can create life. I mean, she's like a god character at, at this point. Mm -hmm. So she's, she lets it all out, and then we see, you know, it's like the back to episode one, where Vision's there talking to her and, and everything else, and it, it's it, it it is something, man. So that's how she can know. You can see why she doesn't know how she created the hex. She just completely like lost it and blacked out, yeah. and and created everything. Well, she told Pietro and, that she yeah. told Pietro that I don't know how I did this because she doesn't know. And I I think I still think there's something we are not seeing. Like, I still think, because that, that we've seen that throughout the episode, right? We've seen that throughout the show. There's still, we saw one version of her stealing vision, and then we saw, well, no, that really didn't happen. Uh, we see parts are just sort of lifted out of the sitcoms that don't fit. And I think that, um, I don't think Vision bought this house. I don't think Vision left her that deed. I oh. think that whoever the big the it's big manipulator is, it, right, is yep, playing has, this whole thing out. Absolutely. It, he left her that because we had never seen that in any of the movies before. Uh, and, you know, so it's free range. And it, it doesn't look like she had ever been to that town before. Um, so it wasn't a spe special meaning. I think there's some there's something special about that that lot or that town that that's the reason she was drawn there. And I think whatever drew her there amplified her power. And I think in the next episode, we're going to see like that version of it you know like yes she did do this she has that power but i still think we're going to get a mephisto or we're going to get a nightmare or we're going to get some form of magical sort of demigod that is pulling the strings on this so you're trying to say it's the devil again I, it maybe it might be the mephisto? devil <laughs> I, uh, so I, think it, I think it might be no, so Grogan drops in here too, which is a uh, great catch. Uh, I noticed the deed had the heart on it, which was, uh, which is why there's a heart on the calendar in another, which was the first episode. New first uh, episode. Unless, unless I was just drinking. 
Um, we're going to think both are true. It yeah, might be both. Thinking. I don't even know, Steve, but I can tell you that that's possible. <laughs> if he put that in there, that's possible. So, Yeah, I was about to say. So, yeah, I would say right on the calendar, right on the deed, and right that you were you were most likely drinking on it. But <laughs> it's also a, a dynamite catch. Mm-hmm. Um, Which does, actually leads me to believe, who is the one character in the town that we have not seen since the first episode? The boss. Mm-hmm. You haven't you seen saw the, the wife. You saw the wife. Uh huh. You saw she Kitty. was driving through the town. She was sitting there at the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. You know, outside. has been missing. Dottie's been, been missing. Yep. And yep. We haven't seen Ralph yet. Who I'm not jumping off the train. I'm I'm taking it. I'm driving it home, baby. I'm ending it. Who's Ralph? Whichever way you want to cut it, I am not. I'm gonna, <laughs> you know what's gonna happen. You know what's gonna happen with Ralph, and and I'm I'm just I'm just you know trying to be funny here. But Ralph, what's gonna happen with Ralph is she's gonna be like, there was no fucking Ralph. I just yeah. kept saying that because <laughs> I wanted because I was fucking with you. That's that's what I totally expect because this show yeah. has come out and just like tried to lead you on with little things, and then you're like, nope, gotcha, and then like lead you on with something else. All so right. I, you what's that? Don't no, push. but I just oh, come on. God, like, <laughs> like you haven't had this thought already, bro. Come on, seriously. <laughs> so uh, let's anything let's... is possible. I hope the last episode of this Friday is three and a half hours long, okay? <laughs> because I I don't want if this is forty seven minutes, I, I may start crying before the episode starts because I can't have just forty seven more minutes of the show. This is a good, by the way, a good comment for a question here for a chief. Uh, does hex vision, which we you know, referring to mm-hmm. Wanda's mm-hmm. Wanda's vision, uh, actually think for himself, or is that Wanda's subconscious in conflict with what she's uh, done? Because inherently, she's not an evil being. That great that is point. a great point. That is an excellent point, Nashif, and yeah. you could be completely right on this. I don't know if we're ever going to. It could be. It, it all. It could also be like you know, like the cartoons where you have the you know the devil on one, and <laughs> on one shoulder, and then the angel on the other. So Vision could be the angel, and because she even says at some point when she has that argument with Monica, um, in episode seven, she says she says don't let him turn you into the villain. And she turns around, she goes, maybe I am. And she's starting to even doubt herself. Yeah. Okay, so whoever is twisting all this stuff has got her thinking that she's the bad guy, right? That she's yeah. the one, that she's the bad one. And Vision is the one that's kind of going around trying to figure out, you know, what's going on. So, yeah, maybe that is part of it. Maybe, you know, maybe that is the good part of her that is trying to figure this this whole thing out. Mm-hmm. You know, no, that, but you know, but Agatha tried to poison his mind too. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because when, when at the at the end of that street there, she tried to, you know, to to force him like, hey, go out there, go ahead, go, knowing what would happen if he left. So, yeah, and as what Jonathan alludes to here with his comment, uh, this episode really explains why Vision was dying uh, when he yeah. tried to leave the hex. Seems like he could only exist the next Jonathan. I think you're 100 percent correct. Mm-hmm. We exactly. shared this here, and also I unfortunately think Billy. And Tommy can only do the same. I don't think they could exist outside the hex, which also will get into our predictions. I don't. I still don't think this is going to end well for them whatsoever. And Wanda's going to get even more tragedy, which we can discuss briefly. But so the end of the episode ends uh, before we get to the post credit scene, which was. But the episode ends with. Uh, the chaos you know, magic thing is the other thing we should just talk about really quick. The fact that she says this is chaos magic. So at some point when she sees what she's created, she either she's basically telling her or she's figured out what type of magic it is. Now we also have seen that you the the the, the good witches, the good mm-hmm. witches, right, have their their powers come out in blue. 
Okay. Yeah. Is that white and blue? Okay. Then you see Agatha who's got, she's using dark magic, which is black and purple. Mm -hmm. Wanda's is red. Yes. Okay. So for her to say, this is chaos magic. You are a Scarlet witch. So that, you know, like it, 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 you could see like, so I think that that, that, that portion in the beginning was to show you what good witches have, what dark witches have, and then there's something else. Yeah. And that's what Wanda is. And I think that that was, you know, showing you, showing them trying to take her out on the stake there was showing you that Wanda is a different type of, this is, this is something that's not, that's not like a, you know, good witch, bad witch kind of a thing. She's in between. And that's, I think they tried to drive that home with that scene as well. Yeah, and, and that ties into the final scene, though, when they go out in the street and Wanda's there and Agatha has Tommy and Billy. She's choking them right there. And she mm. says, you know, you are the Scarlet Witch. So she essentially gets, officially gets her name in the MCU or in our comic book code name, which they alluded to when Hayward a couple episodes ago was asking, you know, does she have any, like, goofy code name and stuff like that? But there she goes. She has her, if you want to call it a goofy code name or whatever it is, but she is officially been dubbed the Scarlet Witch by Agatha Harkness, and then episode ends. We get our main villain of the uh, show so far, the please stand by thing at the at the screen. And then we get the post-credit scene, which unveils, unveils White Vision. Now, we find out there that S.W.O.R.D. has, has reconstructed and uh, reconstructed Vision's body parts. They've had his body the whole time, as we found out earlier. And they put him back together, and he, they show White Vision getting activated. And they used uh, part of the chaos magic that was on the drone that Wanda brought out of the hex and threw it at them earlier. So they kept that drone and used it to power White Vision. Now, interesting things with this before we, we dive into it fun, further, which is a nice little fun fact. But in the comics, apparently Vision was supposed to, originally supposed to be all white by the writers who created him. But they didn't want to go ahead and go with that because white at the time was just the color of newspaper. So they mm. decided to, like, yeah. we got to give this guy something. So they kind of gave him, like, green and red. Red and, and green. It is, yeah. But eventually, White Vision does show up in the comics as he first appeared in Rick Sedgers' favorite comic run, West Coast Avengers. Yeah. Avengers. yeah right. uh, after did, Vision, I think, I think, did Rick post that to the, the group he did, right? West Coast Avengers? Uh, no, the, a copy of a copy of the um, yes, yes. the cover of that that issue. And then I wouldn't put it past him. If he, I don't think it is, but he probably would take a picture. I he probably I guarantee I saw that in his collection when I when I was carry <laughs> that. But so we we get in the comics. Vision Vision was disassembled at one point, and Hank Pym, who was his creator in the comics, reassembles him, and is, then he's White Vision, essentially symbolizing that Hank could not restore any of Vision's humanity or his memories, and he's just very, like, blah. That's it, like, going forward there. That's, that's how Vision is. And that's how we're going to assume that this, you know, sword Vision is that we will, whatever we want to call him, that's, that's been activated, that you're going to assume instead of nuking the Hex, he was planning to send in, you know, this Vision into uh, into the Hex to, to kind of, like, handle business. Um Wow, Tom, Tim, Tim Solaris. White Vision sounds like a. <laughs> <laughs> it really does. I raise a glass to you, sir. Nicely done. Yeah, this is not moonshine. I swear to you, it's water. 
Doesn't does not sound like a great thing. I mean, if you want to call him Sword Vision or whatever, <laughs> let's call him let, let's call him Sword Vision. That might be better. Yeah, maybe that's maybe that's <sighs> better for this. <laughs> so this this ties. We into, could we could call him New Vision, and it'll be like a boy band from the eighties. <laughs> exactly. that, that, that's awesome. So I, I guess. I mean, do you guys have anything to add on to this final scene before we decide what we're going to predict, what we're going to see in this finale? I mean, I think it's kind of pretty straightforward. So my personal things, and this is something that Jonathan just, like, read my mind with. Maybe we'll get to see Vision versus White Vision or Sword Vision. Maybe we're going to call it a New Vision. We're going to call it Audible, maybe, on, on that one. Uh, oh, boy, this is, this is catching on. Of course, Grogan's getting involved here. The album's going to be <laughs> oh, boy. oh please please give oh, i don't know if we can can we give thumbs up or, or hearts or whatever because there we go there we go that's awesome oh my god oh man you guys better be here for the finale oh. next week that's all i'm saying oh <laughs> god that is hilarious but back to jonathan's comment though i'm 100 with him this is what i'm oh, yeah. this is my three quick uh things that i'm gonna i'm gonna say I definitely think we're getting Wanda's vision versus White Vision or Sword Vision, whatever we're gonna go by. That's definitely that fight's definitely happening in the hex because obviously Wanda's vision can't exist outside. They're gonna go at it, but unfortunately, I think Wanda is gonna end up having to kill Vision, not her Vision again. That's my point. I think she's gonna have to kill White Vision. And have to again psychologically see herself killing Vision again, and that's going to add to it. I think Billy and Tommy are going to cease to exist because I think the hex goes away. So she's losing; she has to kill Vision again. I think she's losing Billy and Tommy, and all of this is going to cause her to completely lose it. And that's where she leads into perhaps a post-credit scene with Doctor Strange in involved in this. We still don't know what the hell's going on with Monica, by the way, Monica and Pietro. Who are, which that's what I'm calling him now because that's what Agatha's dubbed him. Pietro. Yep. Great, great line. Pietro, as Funko said, Pietro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that. So that's what I'm thinking. So obviously, my my theories on the season finale are gonna or the series finale, because there won't be a second season, is gonna be really, really screwed up stuff. And we're really pushing Wanda to her limits of you know, really real insanity. Um Jason, what do you have? Any predictions? And yes, Mephisto is still involved. I'm, like I said earlier, I'm sticking on that trade. I'm riding it to the end. Mephisto is involved in this. Jason, I like your theory that perhaps the deed and he's the one who pushes it to there. Jason, what, and you have any predictions on how this is wrapping up? I do. Uh, here's my prediction. I think Vision, of course, is going to square off with Sword Vision. That's going to happen. That's a gimme, right? But I think what's going to happen is the, that they're at some point they're going to figure out how to start collapsing the hex right yeah. and i think the the manipulator whether it be mephisto whether it be i've seen you know it could be nightmare whoever it is right i i personally think it's mephisto but i'm giving credence to other things i've read that i think could happen um i think the manipulator whoever it is going to make their presence known and wanda is going to strike a deal to save her vision and her kids to be able oh. to exist outside the hex and that's our lead into the doctor strange movie we get we get like wanda selling her soul 
to to help to save everyone else, but that turns her dark and turns her evil or whatever. And then we're gonna get something where um, maybe Doctor Strange or you know whatever the character is, they're gonna tie it into you know how to tie this into the Doctor Strange movie. There's gonna be some form of okay, we have to figure out how to get Wanda back or break this deal or something. I th I think that's the lead in because I don't think they're gonna just kill the kids or get rid of the kids. And I think it's a missed opportunity to bring back Paul Bettany as the vision we had and not keep him around because we've seen now so much that he could do and he did not get to do in the first couple of phases because he was like a secondary ancillary character. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I think that's what's going to happen. I think we're going to get to keep her kids and vision at the expense of her soul or whatever it is they're trading for in the movie. Maybe it's her magic, whatever the trade may be. And I am sorry. I think it might be the magic itself because I I just remembered that weird commercial that we never actually discussed. Yo with magic, claymation shark. Yo magic. Yeah. I'm feeding on yo magic, right? So maybe that's the deal. She's got to give up the chaos magic to a larger being, and then Doctor Strange is going to have to step in in the multiverse of madness to sort of put the kibosh on whatever this creature is going to do with that magic. That's my prediction. It, are you predicting like? Al Pacino, Mephisto. No, I'm just. Uh, I mean, that's, that's uh, all. Like, I got chaos magic here. Yeah, that, that would that would be great. Uh, let me jump on a quick question first before we get to Tony's uh, Tony's predictions for the f finale. Uh, actual question is Project Cataract because your eyes go white with that, and it's about creating white vision. I think we we talked about yeah. that. Uh, the, the cataract we mentioned what cataract was. Obviously, we didn't know it was white vision. Um, yeah, I'm gonna say that it's probably about creating white vision which again is is a nice uh tie into like spinning on the name of, of vision there and it's it's turning it white so yeah that that's that's kind of what i'm thinking there um and then jonathan uh i'm thinking she may get vision back in dr strange but from a different universe that's also a really good mm -hmm. prediction there um which i think you guys are thinking things will act a, will land a little bit more lightly i'm going a bit darker with how i think this is ending Jason, though, but you're thinking a little bit happier, but still ultimately dark overall. It's still dark, uh, yeah. And then Alex, uh, I think the hex breaking the trigger will trigger the multiverse. That's very, very much yeah. a possibility, Alex. That's a cool thought. I think that's a really cool thought there and a cool prediction. And I, I think I, I could be on board with you where that's what kind of like opens things up and opens up the floodgates. Uh, Tony, what do you have? Any, any predictions you want to throw out there for the finale? Yeah, I think that uh, I don't think I think that obviously I, I look. I've been on the Mephisto train basically from the very beginning. I don't I don't think that there's any question that he is the the you know the the big bad here, and um, and he is going to make his is he is going to make his appearance. Uh, I agree that this is going to be a very tough episode for everybody because. I, I do think that Vision and um, <clears throat> I think the Visions are going to go at it, and I do think that I do think that Wanda's Vision will die. And again, I don't think that she'll kill him. I think that Vision will kill him. So you think, think white, that, white Vision will kill Wanda's Vision? Yes, because I think okay. that that's that's what that's why he's here to begin with right now. Yeah. And that's why they've been tracking the regular, the original vision, because this is a vision that they can't control because she's controlling him. So yeah. So for my, predi my, my prediction though would go, remember I had said, though, I, I guess we're kind of in sync with this is that I think the visions fight. I think white vision mm -hmm. wins and then Wanda has to, so she sees him die 
sort of her vision die, and then she has to kill White Vision. So again, like it, I'm, me, I'm just piling up on her. Like the poor yeah, I, woman is just gonna go I, through it, man. I right. don't think White. I don't think White Vision is going. Now, this is the other thing. What's gonna happen to to White Vision when he goes through the hex? I was thinking that too. Because everything, everything transforms changes. when it goes through. So I'd like to see what ah, happens to White Vision when he point. goes through. Okay. That's a great point. Does he become does he become vision? That's you a think great, maybe that he gets his point. memories and stuff? I don't know. Okay. I, I, I would like that's I'm actually I'm getting to that. So I yeah. don't think that they kill the kids. I think that Mephisto takes the kids. Okay. Yeah. Wherever he goes. Okay. I think that he takes the kids. I think that Jason, I, I actually, I, I agree with both of you and to the point where you can take parts of each. I think that yes, in order for the kids to live, she has to give the chaos magic up to Mephisto. Okay. And I think that the kids go and she is obviously stuck here, powerless to go and, and search for them. And that again, sends her, you know, into, you know, the breaking of the hex will, you know, cause, as we said, the multiverse, or the, the you know, as they said in in Spider Man Far From Home, the tear in the what it was it they called it a tear in the uh, in the time space whatever the mm. whatever the fuck it was called yeah um and that's what caused you know the the flood of of other universes coming through and so on and so forth I think that that's eventually what's gonna is gonna be the case right because they said that's where they used the term multiverse at yeah. that point so yeah I think that I think the kids I don't think the kids die I think that. Mephisto takes them. I think Mephisto shows up. I think he takes the kids. I think obviously also the Luke Skywalker type of um, cameo is whoever Mephisto is. Okay, very. Okay. Right. That's, that's what I agree. I think that that's who it is. So whoever it is is going to be a. I'm expecting that. Okay. I Are don't you think on that Al Pacino be... train? Are, Are you with me? Bro, if it's Al Pacino, bro, I, I literally, I, I'm telling. What I say, what I say when we talked about this, if it was Al Pacino, and he shows up in a black suit with a red tie and a black shirt, I'm gonna literally fall the fuck off my couch. All right, I literally, I, I don't, I'll be, I'll be out. This, this, I, I can't, I can't. Uh, that would be just perfect. But right, so, so Jason, we're, we're hitching on Tony's thing, right? We're hitching on the fact that the Luke Skywalker level cameo that Paul Bettany has talked about, which, by the way. The director of WandaVision has said, because they keep asking him about it, he's he's been quoted as saying, I don't know, Paul's dug himself in a pretty good hole on this. He's gonna that you could ask him about that. Like, he doesn't <laughs> yeah, want to say that. that this is happening or not. Um, we're gonna hitch on Tony's bandwagon, though. We're gonna say that the Luke Skywalker level cameo is is Mephisto. Whoever's playing. I agree. Okay. I agree. Yeah. All right, Tony, I go agree. ahead. We're, we're with you. I think that that's it. So I, I think that, like I said, I think they take the kids. I think he takes the kids. I think her vision dies. I think we're stuck with white vision who is just vision without any memories or feelings or anything like that. Mm -hmm. The evolving, the evolve, you know, it was what, that's what, that's what Tony had said to uh, to Bruce when they were standing in, uh, um, in the beginning of uh, infinity war was that he's evolved and this, this vision's not evolved. This is a robotic type of thing. And I think that that's how you keep a vision and Paul Bettany in the MCU at this point. I would think I would hope that the idea would be that the the white vision will maybe evolve to what the old vision was. That would be my hope for what happens down the road. But I think in this one, I think the kids live. I think her vision dies. I think that she her she has to give up her power to save the boys 
and but she can't she, she can't have them, and that's kind of what what sets all of this off. Okay, and I'm and I'm standing by Mephisto. I'm going to be very specific. Mephisto essentially kills the boys and takes their life okay. force out, similar to House of M. Because I'm, I'm again, I'm, sick, I'm he I'm, definitely he definitely can. That's for sure. Yes, I, I'm gonna I'm riding that trade till the end, and we're, we'll we'll see what happens, man. So we'll we'll see what happens in that crazy exciting thing, uh, exciting finale that we're gonna get. It, it's gonna be bonkers. Uh, mm. But we we concludes our last I, segment. Uh, I, I can't, can't wait, wait another day. Oh, I can't wait, bro. <laughs> I can't. I'm wait. I'm, I'm waiting up till three o'clock. I can't. I cannot. I, I, I'm not gonna be able to wait till the morning. I'm waiting till three. I'm going. Oh, if I wake thing. up, if I wake up to piss in the middle of the night again, and I start hearing the MCU th- uh, music playing in my head as I look at the clock. I'm gonna have to do it. I, <laughs> I that will was call your ass. I'll call your ass. I don't care. I'll wake you up. <laughs> Let's do a watch party at three o'clock. Come on, three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Woo, Jason. Jason, take a take a nap. Go to bed at like nine. Get up That's at right. get up at three. It'll be like going out to the club. Just take a nap and Yeah, like bro. That. Let's 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 just let's party like it's 2021, baby. Let's do it. <laughs> so now speaking of things I couldn't wait to get to on this show was Shazam! My number one DCEU film that I, I ranked uh, you know when I, in our very first episode at the very end. Like this, man, it was a, such a freaking joy to watch this damn thing, man. And I'm going to say it right now. Guess what? Weaknesses? I got none. I got zero. Wow. Zero. I have it. You guys, I know, Jason, you were surprised when I named Shazam my number I one was. DC I movie. Was. And, it, and it, honestly, watching it again, it reminded me all over again of, of why, why it is for me, man. This thing hits such a, a home run, and it was being described that I love the movie Big with Tom Hanks. And this movie, again, you're describing this as big, set in a superhero movie. I mean, what the hell is there not to love, man? And there's an awesome big reference when they're yep. fight, when he's fighting Dr. Savannah in the toy store, and they run on the piano keys quickly, which was such a smart, smart thing to do. I mean, repeatedly. But let, let me go head over heels and, and gush over this movie quickly, and I'm, I'm going to pass it on to you guys. I think did you did we all have Shazam in our top like three or four? I actually yeah, Shaz- Shazam yeah. was my three. Okay, so and Tony, where did you have Shazam? Do you remember? I don't think I remember exactly where I had it. I had it in the top five. It yeah. was it was one. Of, it was I think it was it was probably three or four for me. Okay, so I, I'm gonna just go full head over heels. I'm gonna Do it. run in with my uh, my all my likes. And by the way. I don't know Jonathan Hamilton, but Jonathan, me and you are such on that. We, we've been here for most of this damn episode, man. Zachary Levi, that is my number one lead. He is the perfect, perfect cast. I know, Tony, I remember like we used to talk about it at work where we used to say hey, before he was cast, like, man, who should be uh, adult Billy Batson? Who should play Shazam? And uh, the big popular pick, which I was kind of cool with, was John Cena because I could see John well, Cena's done a lot of comedy. Well, The Rock was another one well, who apparently, by the way, was given the option when he signed this contract. They're like, "Do you want to be Shazam or Black Adam?" He, and he chose took time Black to Adam. think that shit, and he, yeah. he took time. He took like two or three weeks to to mull it over, and and he he said he was such a fan of both the characters, but he decided to do the Black Adam one. Was, yeah, by think, the way, it was number four on my list. By the way, and number I think four. he made the right choice because I think he's going to make a fantastic Black Adam, but I don't think he could do what Zachary Levi does in this movie. 
Yeah, Zachary Levi hits a home run with it. Mm -hmm. I would have been curious and maybe in an alternate universe to see how John Cena would have done with it because I kind of I like him in comedies and I think he could have played the man-child boy like that's there, like what we get in this thing. After seeing him in Jumanji, I think he could put I definitely think he could have pulled it off. I yeah, really if, you watch the Jumanji, really. yeah, if you watch the Jumanji movies, The Rock is he like really flexes his acting. Don't get me wrong. I have I have multitudes of rock love. I am a big <laughs> rock fan. I, so don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. I, absolutely. But it, after seeing him in Jumanji, like I thought the same thing because you worry about the fact that it's, it's yeah there has to be some depth there obviously to you know to play the emotions of a kid and trying to figure out you know being a superhero so on and so forth and whatever. But seeing him in Jumanji and being able like that scene in the beginning where he's like he's like don't cry don't cry don't cry like it's like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Who's, who's got it like that's awesome like it's it's, it's it, it was really done. It was really done well. So I, I after seeing that, I was like, he definitely could have pulled off. Uh, but what we're gonna get though, what we're gonna get in it wouldn't, you know, not to dive into Black Adam though, which we found out a couple of days ago is apparently gonna start filming soon, um, finally. But again, I think that's another movie that when I see the trailer, I'll believe it's actually happening. Is that I think yeah. he, I think The Rock was cast like in 1987 or something like that. I'm not really sure. It's been a while, <laughs> but um, I believe it was 2017, if I'm not mistaken. It feels like it's so much longer than that, but um, yeah, he's just four years, bro. Yeah, no, it is. It's a lot, but it feels like it was a lot longer ago. Um, but he was—he's going to really get to see him as a villain, and that's going to be uh, you know a phenomenal turn. I don't think you're like, going to see it. I don't think you're going to see him anti anti-hero, but he's going to have to do yeah. some villainous shit. On, They're going to do this. Game. They're gonna do the same shit with him that they did with Venom. That's going to be the same thing. It's going to be that. Well, I'm not talking about the movie. I'm talking about just in general. I think that you know how they made Venom out to be like you know now he's a, you could tell he's he's a good guy no matter what because yeah. of Eddie he's going to be a good guy going forward. They're going to do the same thing with Shazam <laughs> with with Black Adam. I'm going to get me started. I'm going to get to that piece of sh pile of shit one day. But whatever. Um, no, not ruining this for me. I'm gonna. I, I'm. I am jovial. Yeah, I, I got Shazam. Oh, go, baby. For me, the big thing is the chemistry between um, whether it's it's Billy Batson and and uh, and Freddie Freeman. That's it. Whether it's Zachary Levi or Ash or Angel, and they also work with uh, the actor's name who plays Freddie Freeman is Jack Dylan Grazer. They're a big reason for why this film works so well for me. I mean, they their chemistry is is outstanding. I mean, either way you look at it, right? Growing up as someone who like read comic books and watched this crap, this is almost like. You know, a, a kid living out his fantasy. You get to be a superhero. Who the hell is a kid that didn't want to magically turn into a superhero? And that's what we get here. And a lot of things that they explore in the movie is shit that a kid would have done if they were, uh, you know, an adult body superhero. And another one that I, I think even stood out for me more as, I, as the more I've watched this is Darla. The girl, the character of Darla, she is great throughout a lot of it. You know, wanting to be the, you know, the best little, you know, sister and everything like that. Uh, I loved her on this rewatch. I loved her so much. Yeah, she she's phenomenal. Like the actress who, who plays her too, the kid version or the or Megan Good plays the adult version. Like they just they just hit a home run every time, every line that they they spit out there with it. Uh, a big thing for me and why I chose I go with Shazam as my number one over the original Wonder Woman is Mark Strong as Doctor Savannah. He is he's the separating factor for me between those two movies. His his role is and it's a motive by the way. Jason texted us as he was doing his rewatch. And was like, I understand this. I freaking get why he's so pissed off after the car accident scene in the beginning. And, you know, he goes back to the, he was told, essentially, you're not good enough. 
and then you're bad and goes back and then he's with the abusive father and a brother who's picking on him and stuff. I get it. I understand why he hates Shaz why he hates Billy Batson, why he hates Shazam, and I get why the hell he's angry. And a, a villain with a motive instead of being a mustache twirling villain is a huge thing for a lot of movies. That's why for me, I put Shazam over Wonder Woman because for me they're very close. But that's where Shazam wins it for me. The Seven Deadly Sins are terrifying. By the way, they are just evil as hell. And that's something like a kid watching this movie, you can see where they would get scared. They can get genuinely scared of seeing these things because they don't hold back. I mean, um, I, I damn it, I forgot to uh, note down the director's name, but I know he has a whole David Sandberg. His, David Sandberg has a history in horror, and and, and you can see it come through, kind of like how we talked about um, the James Wan with Aquaman. Yeah, the boardroom yeah, scene where he goes in there basically fucking throws his brother out the window, kills him instantly, and then wipes the floor with the rest of it and kills his father. I mean, he, that is some serious shit right there. Man. Yeah, he unleashed it. He basically yep. unleashed yeah. them on his on his family and, and basically exercised his own demons with the, with the seven deadly sins. It was, mm -hmm. it was yeah, I mean, it was, I was a beautiful scene. scene between. I remember bringing my kids to see Shazam, and I'm like, all right, guys, it's going to be one scene. It's going to be a little <laughs> scary or whatever, trying to prepare them. You know, yeah. and my son was like, you know, like, oh, this is cool. And my daughter was like in my shoulder. So, you know, it's, yeah. it is. So you have it, it, it for kids. It is a kid's movie. And it's, you know, but that scene is definitely, you know, his horror side comes out just even just a little bit for that. Yeah. And then, yeah, I totally, totally agreed. And then as, as much as the heart of this film is like really off the charts for me, and it has a delicate balance of showing a lot of heart and, you know, with the whole family aspect and, and everything, and they show how that relationship evolves. Is there uh, many mothers in film that you can hate more than Billy no. Batson's mother in the is No, like what no. an asshole! No, what no. a complete I, asshole! Like if I if I could jump into that movie and beat the hell out of that woman, I know I don't hate women. I want to make it clear, uh, I would do so because watching that scene where like it. I, I talk about tear up. I teared up when he gave because, and I've seen this before, but I, I saw yeah. it once in the theater. You know, it'd been a while. When he gives her that that compass, and she goes, "What's what this?" Yeah, I was like, "It's it's the last thing you get." What? Like, I, how do you not remember that? How could you be so callous to your own child like that? Will you leave them to just go? Oh yeah, someone else will take care of them. They I mean, can do a better job. Yeah. She was so evil and disgusting in that movie. It really upset me. And she's barely in it. Dude, she got me to there. I've always said that there's the villain that has really made me hate them in any movie I've ever seen was Joaquin Phoenix and Gladiator. Like, holy shit, do I fucking hate, hate him in that film. And But then on the same token, I'm praising the shit out of him because you got me to have that much emotion. Mm -hmm. This woman might be number two on my list of hated characters in any <laughs> film, and she's barely on the damn screen. Yeah, like, twice. I really I want two scenes. Yeah, exactly. That's it. And then it reveals that, oh, yeah, she saw them. She saw Billy with, uh, on the car with the cops, and was like, oh, yeah, no, nah, I'm okay. They, they can do a better job. I'm out here. And I'm sure it hit home with you guys, too, as, as being parents. Mm -hmm. uh, like, imagine something... That could happen. I mean, shit. I wouldn't want to do that with with Bernie or Marvel, uh, and, you know, <laughs> right. my dogs. Uh, like, and, and that it, it's crazy. So that that was something yeah. that really, you know, really smacked there. But I think it's something that's also really smart that's done here is the connective tissue into the larger DCEU. I mean, I think, and it feels very warranted. It's not forced, even though there's a lot of it. 
but I think they do a very smart choice with using Freddy's fandom as the connective yeah. tissue with the T-shirts, mm -hmm. with the Superman, right. Aquaman yep. shirts, his uh, 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 replica Batarang, which, Batarang. by the way, comes in huge in the film, by yep. the way. It's not, it's not just like a throwaway thing. Like, the Superman bullet is there, and it's like, you know, it's alluded to a couple of times, but that replica Batarang, when you hear when they they throw it and it hits uh, Doctor Savannah in the back of the head, and they find out that that's how getting the sins out weakens him, and that's how he can be hurt, is is huge. So I, I, I want to give them a lot of credit on that. That you found a way to tie it in without like hindering the story at all or making you think too much about that stuff. But and and just before I, I turn it over, the humor in this in this film, like some of my some of my favorite scenes. Are you know Billy meeting the beating Shazam to pass on his power, and they have the comment where he's like, "Here, touch my staff," and he's like, "Oh, ill." Yeah. Like it just, it, I, I just that whole scene's hilarious, and he's like telling him to say my name. He's like, "I don't even know your name, dude." Which is yeah. what the hell is this? Um, the training montage with Billy and Freddy when they're in the warehouse and they're like just shooting things and stuff, and he's filming him trying to fly and he's jumping over. And show Billy uh, dancing and stuff like that. I think that's great. Uh, the first meeting with with Shazam and Doctor Savannah, when they, like I alluded to earlier, where they meet up in the street and then he punches him in the nuts and everything. And then they go. The fight takes it into a store. And then he's throwing Batman at him, telling him to get away. Essentially, like fighting him like a kid because now he's no, he knows he's not invincible. Um, and the battle at the end was was great to me. The whole Shazam family versus Doctor Savannah and the Seven Deadly Sins. Like the whole Hadouken with uh, the one brother who, who gets to do the lightning and stuff, and Billy gets to fly as he's alluded to, I know, in the past. Um, that whole fight scene. And then when they're miles away from each other, buildings, and Billy, you know, Dr. Zavon is having this whole villain speech, and he's like, What? Uh, dude, yeah, uh, you're literally miles scene. away from me. I, I can't hear you. <laughs> it, it's great. Even though a lot of their fights reminds me, it's very reminiscent of Man of Steel. When uh, the Zod uh, Superman battle at the end, but I mean, whatever. You got two superpowered beings fighting that can fly. That's essentially how that's mm -hmm. going to go. Um, and then the post-credit scene with Doctor Mind, you know, meeting uh, Doctor Savannah, Mister Mind, sorry, Mister mm -hmm. Mind, and he meets him in the prison and stuff, and he's like scrolling, strapping on the walls, trying to get the magic back. And Doctor Savannah is kind of apparently lost his mind, and he tells him, you know, essentially meets him and says, you know, we we were gonna have some interesting things to do or whatever the heck he said. I didn't write down the quote exactly. But they also find, you also see Mr. Mind earlier in the in the whole cave and stuff where he's locked in and then he's unleashed once the seven deadly sins are escaped. So, I mean, I, again, you could clearly see I'm, I'm head over heels in, in love with the Shazam movie. It's it's fantastic to me. Um, Jason, where, where are you at? What did you think? You got anything to share about Shazam that... I got yeah, I got a lot to I, no, well, I got what? I got some good stuff to share, but okay. I'm gonna I have to get my one problem with the movie out of the way first for the rest okay. of my glowing reviews to make sense. What a break protocol here! My biggest problem with this movie is the villain. I think in this villain, and hear me out before you jump on me here. I can oh, already yeah. see you ready to pounce, Ed. I can see it, but the, this villain is uh, there. You go. This villain is the most sadistic, most evil villain we've gotten, in my opinion, the DCU. Yeah. with the most flawed plan. And when I say villain, I'm talking about the wizard who gives Shazam his powers. Because in my opinion, 
that guy is the real villain of this movie. Uh -huh. The guy who has spent decades plucking children in a traumatic, scary way from their world, running them through a test that he knows that they can't pass because he won't let anyone pass this test because he's so afraid of the mistakes he's made. Black Just Adam. to tell them they're... Yes, exactly. Just to tell them that they are worthless and will never be good enough and send them back. He would. It's obvious he'd be in doing this for decades. I mean, I don't think Mark Strong is the villain of this movie. Oh, I think wow, Mark okay. Strong is a victim in this movie because who does he like? Let's look at his character. He is an abused child, right? That is set up right in the beginning who is plucked. And all this abused child wants is someone to tell him he's good enough for something. And he is plucked in this horrific way from the world where everyone disappears and his car is encased in ice and he gets out and he's like, what the fuck's going on here? Yeah. And then there's this wizard going, oh, I got to give you a test. Oh no, you didn't pass this test? You're never going to be pure of heart. You're never going to be good enough. Back with you. Wow. Let me tell you something. If someone plucked me from my abusive family at that age and then sent me right back with the knowledge that I was inherently evil, I would have been worse than Silvana. You know what Silvana doesn't do? He doesn't attempt to kill the wizard. You know what I would have done? I'd have killed that motherfucker dead because that's the guy who started this. Yes. I would have embraced this. I would have embraced the seven deadly sins of which you told me that I could not turn away from, and I would have brought them to Earth, and I wouldn't have just screwed around trying to get powers from a kid. I would have enslaved the human race to prove my worth, because that is what villains inspire you to do. Savannah, actually, if you look at what he does, who does he really hurt? He doesn't his kill family. the doctor. His family, yeah. his abusive family, his abusive yeah. family who did this to him, mm -hmm, okay? Mm -hmm. They had it coming. Um, he doesn't kill the woman who, like, touches the door. He doesn't even take pleasure in her death. He just doesn't care. You know what I'm talking about? The doctor in the beginning? Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he very easily could, like, kill any one of the, the Shazam family before they have powers. But his thing, no, I don't want to kill them. I just want your power. You don't deserve it, and I do. Just He gives Shazam way more chances than I think an evil villain would have given him. And yes, he is willing to hurt and kill people. It's mm -hmm. not what he wants to do. So I don't really think he's a villain in the like capital V. I think your villain okay. is the wizard. And I think the fact that the wizard's plan was to just randomly pluck kids out of the air was, I think... For me, that's the only thing that kind of doesn't work. Like, what was okay. what is this guy even doing? Um, but having said all that, uh, I think outside of that, this is like a perfect comic book movie. Like, I, I think it's funny and it is heart. I, I again, I teared up multiple times at this. Um, I thought that I like when when I first saw this. I, I thought it might be cheesy to have the Shazam family. I was wrong. It was brilliant. It worked perfectly the tone they set it up perfectly this movie has heart it is humor uh it has a fantastic cast and 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 mark strong i think really brings it mark strong no pun intended has a strong performance i'm lying i intended that pun um <laughs> but yeah but th that's it like i think everything you said about it is true it is like the perfect comic book movie in tone in characters in just everything they do to set it up uh, it has heart it has humor and you know it maybe maybe when i watch when, when i watch uh birds of prey and i might like it a bit less and this might jump up there this is the one on the dceu list that has potential to jump higher on my list that's how much i enjoyed this rewatch okay and jonathan here by the way wants to follow up i think uh he's talking about referring to uh dr savannah 
I think he still has that mindset of a child because of his abuse. Oh, that's, yeah. that's a really, that's really cool. great point. And mm -hmm. another scene that before we get to uh, to Tony's uh, reaction, Jonathan, another point out, say my name, Billy. So the yeah. scene when the family's all together is like, say my name. And they're like, Billy. Like, no. Billy. No, but the, the, my name. Yeah, that's great. Which, by the way, we'll, we'll see that Shazam can't really tell if he ever does meet the Justice League formally. He has to try to communicate his name to him instead of turning back and forth. He's going to have to try to tell That's them that true. at some point, which would be That's great. That's true. So, Tony, what do you got? I know you really enjoyed Shazam as well. So, I I, I love this movie. I really do. I think that um, – I, look, I, I always – I always loved the Shazam character and you know, there was never a lot of, there was never a lot of him, you know, in, in the, you know, sat at you know, your cartoons or, you know, there, there wasn't a lot of uh, footage of Shazam growing up, mm -hmm. but you know, the comics themselves and <clears throat> just the character, the idea that a kid could be a superhero is just, was just always appealing to me. And I always love that, you know, that, that they were able, you know, to, to do that, you know, to to figure out a way to have a kid transform into a, a super unbelievably powerful superhero. <clears throat> Excuse me. As the as the movie was coming out, you start to wonder how are they gonna do this? Are they gonna be able to pull this off? Mm -hmm. You know, it can't be too serious of a movie because <clears throat> you have a kid who's trying to learn. Had it from go being a, a you know twelve or thirteen year old kid to being a superhero with all these powers, trying to figure out like you look you you all were teenagers at one point or another. Can you imagine trying to live your life and go through school and you know the hormones you have raging and all these other things going on inside of you, and then finding out that you could do anything you wanted by just saying the word Shazam, and then you are now the most powerful person on the planet other than Superman? Like that's. You don't know how that's going to work out. You could end up in the strip club. You could end up in the strip club. The booty. That's I think it's the booty trap. So it was funny. It's called the booty trap. And the fact, I'll get to that in a minute. Anyway, because that was on my list of things to mention, by the way. But you know, so when when they when they cast Zach Levi, I was a little concerned. I'm like, this dude is not. Chuck is not a superhero. Like this Chuck. is Shazam is some jacked up big dude. Like. So and then you started start starting seeing set photos come out and him in the costume and everything. And I remember I think we were at work that day when that picture came out of yeah. him wearing it with the lightning bolt that was lit up. And I was like, damn, he looked pretty good in that suit. Like it mm -hmm. looks pretty good. Well, I can tell you that Zach Levi really captured the essence of this character. He really, really did. He he played off the being a child as an adult, a man child, if you want to call it that. And he did it really, really well. I, I the kid who plays Billy Bats and Asher Angel, I don't know a lot about him. My kids have told me he's been in a bunch of stuff before. This kid is awesome, you he's know. Great. And I, I, it's and the problem is, is that he's going to grow up fast because I think he's already like sixteen or seventeen years old. So they're going to have to, tr you know, try to get this shit done faster with him because they're going to lose him pretty soon. I think that the relationship between Billy and Freddie is just tremendous, you know. To, especially when he gets the powers and Freddie realizes that he has them and the fact that he's 
envious of him. You know, here's here's a kid who's an orphan who has a disability, who is in love with superheroes, idolizes superheroes, as we've seen. We said with the shirts and the memorabilia, whatever, and the fact that he's now envious that Billy can do whatever he wants. Right? He is. He could fly. He can. You know, he's got super strength, super speed, this and that. He wants all of that. All he wants is to be noticed, to be to be feared because he's picked on because he's he is who he is. And I think during that time that Billy and, 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 um, and Freddie learned from each other that, you know, Hey, this ain't, Oh, this ain't all it's cracked up to be. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of work that goes along with this. And Freddie realizes that, and, and Billy almost makes Freddie realize like, Hey, be happy who you are. You know, you're, you're brilliant. You're this, you're that. I could not be doing what I'm doing without you. And yeah. that, that dynamic there is just tremendous. I think that the foster parents, uh, their their names right now are just escaping me, are just unbelievable. Phenomenal. They are unbelievable. They they were cast so well. There was you could feel the warmth of them with the kids, with the family. The, this movie is cast really, really well. This tremendous chemistry between the two of them, and then how they interact with the other kids in the house. Darla, as you said, is just she's a scene stealer every awesome. time she's in it. Love Pedro. I just, just the fact when Pedro, you get to see him, you know, with the beard and 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 in his slow. suit. I was yeah. like, yeah, I was like, check this dude out, you know, like. So I just I I I really you know Mary is another one where she's just you know she's sweet, she's kind, she's trying to help you know Billy along, uh, but she understands why he's hesitant the way that he is. Um, just all tremendous. I, the, we talked about it a little bit before. The scene in the boardroom is just powerful. Absolutely. You know, it's it's basically Zavanna just unleashing all of his, you know, his childhood fury on his fa- and, and unleashing the sins upon everybody in that room. Mm-hmm. Tremendously done. And I I don't you know like yes, it is. It's a tough. It's a tough scene as a kid. It's a tough scene to watch. Yeah. And as a parent, it's a tough scene to watch because you know you see how you know you're. You, you know, your decisions and the things that you do as an, as a parent have an effect on your child. And this, this kid was just unbelievable that, <clears throat> that he went through what he went through and now has got this unlimited power and took it out on everybody in that boardroom. So tremendous scene there. Um, I loved the, um, I actually loved, and it, it, uh, I loved the, the scene of the subway getting to, to get to see the wizard. I thought that was really, really well done. You know, with all the, sh- you know, like the, uh, and all the symbols showing up on, on, on the screen. Like I was like, God damn, that looks, that looks great. Like I have to say that the, the special effects in this movie and the visuals that, that Sandberg, you know, chose for everything were very, very well done. I thought Sandberg did a great job. The, the final battle scene, I, I would have, you know, yeah, again, it was kind of just, you know, punching back and forth and everything like yeah. that. You know, when when the kids get the powers, when they become Shazams, I, that scene is so great. It really is. When he, when he takes the staff, the, as you said, the line before was, you know, say my name. And they were all like, Billy! It was just, <laughs> it was perfect. Because it was, a, it was, you knew what was coming. And it was just, it was so well, it was so well done. Uh, the humor, most of the humor in this movie hits. There's nothing that's really completely out of whack. You know, yeah. most, most all the jokes land. Um, and 
honestly, the, the and the and you know, going back to when they realize that they you know when they say we have a layer, like that's yes, uh, yes, like that, yes. they're excited, like we got a layer, <laughs> yes, <laughs> so, just so so great. It's uh, it's it's so much fun. I don't have a lot of negative things to say about it. Um, it's small things here and there. I I, I you know, I, I thought that the 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 bullying from the kids in the school was I thought that was just a little I, you know, like after the, you know, after Billy basically kicks their ass and, you know, and gets and goes, you know, in through the tunnel, into the subway and everything, I can continually see Freddie get beat on and, and, you know, and, and bullied in this, in this show and, you know, him basically telling everybody that he's friends with, uh, with some of the red tornado yeah, or, or all are, these, yeah. all these yeah. co- like 50 <laughs> names Captain that they came Sparkly up with fingers. or whatever. Capital, 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 Mr. Yeah, Philadelphia yeah. and yeah. Captain, yep. Sparkle, Captain Fingers. Sparkle Fingles, yeah, Sparkle Fingers, and Red there was Cyclone. so many different things. Red Cyclone, that was it, not Red yeah. Tornado, Red Cyclone. And you know, so I, I, I just I thought that that was it was almost like it was like you know um, piling on at that point. You know, like you saw what happened with Savannah when he was a kid. You know, you saw you know the fact that you know these kids are all you know the orphans and this and that to to, to kind of I just felt that it was overkill at that point. Like mm-hmm. you know these kids are fucked up. You know they're in a bad situation. There's no reason to continually see him get his ass beaten, you know, get his, you know, uh, get locked in a locker or whatever the case was. I mean, he's, he's a kid with a, with a, walks with a, with a crutch Suitcase all the time. Was yeah, exactly. So there's like, there's no reason for that at that point. Um, so I, I, it just little things like that, you know, and maybe they're being nitpicky, but it just, it didn't bother me enough that I, I that I would say that they're a problem for me. I, I just, I enjoy the movie through and through. And as we talked about earlier on, that last scene, that post credit, one of the the mid credit scene, yeah, where where you know where Billy shows up, where Shazam shows up, and is having lunch with Freddie, and then Superman walks walks in, and uh, I we had heard rumors about Superman was going to make an appearance, and you were like, oh man, and we were thinking like, yes, is that him? And they just cut the head off, and that I was one. I was like, "Can't you can't figure out a way to get Henry Cavill <laughs> on the screen for fucking ten seconds? <laughs> like you can't. Like that is the only failure of this movie is not being able to put his face in this film. You can't if you can't figure out how to do that, you are wrong. Like I, that should have been. He should have been there. I'm, I will. I will say one thing with that. Briefly, the only thing that could have made this movie better for me would have been Henry Cavill actually being Superman in that one scene. That is literally yes. the only yes. thing I have, and it would have been it would. I, I mean, it's already number one, so I don't know much more of it would have elevated it. But that's my only one thing I would have been like could have made this better. But as we have learned in another film, if he was still, if he had a mustache. At that time, then guess what? I am okay with him not showing up on screen because I did not want to see that fiasco going on at the end of this movie. But I did not need that me, ever again. Let me finish. Let me finish. The, the the what's it called? The the CGI on Shazam, okay, yeah. was six gazillion times better done 100%. than on Justice League. So I don't think that would have been a problem. They actually would have been able to figure it out. Okay. Tony, I'm scared. I'm scared of it. I, I am frightened when I see Josh just leave Superman without the mustache. It's frightening to me. It, it just it, it's worse well, than Freddy Krueger. 
Bro, <laughs> that, oh, yeah, it looks it looks like Superman had a stroke, bro. Like his shit is all like it's all like oh yeah, oh, you know. I was like, yeah, it's terrible. It's terrible. How anybody at Warner Brothers watched that scene and said, "Oh yeah, no, no, that's good. That looks good. No problem. No, no one will notice." No one will notice. We'll, we'll we'll have a lot of time to dive into that in a couple of weeks when we get into yep. our because we're not far away from it. Josh's league, it's Josh's right league time very very soon actually. Not this Saturday, but the upcoming Saturday. Oh. I don't want to announce that early, but like yeah, we're gonna have a, a week of two shows next week. Um, but just uh, I guess before while we're wrapping this up, uh, Jonathan Hamilton, I thought they had fired him at that point. Uh, no, actually, Jonathan uh, Warner Brothers has never never fired Henry Cavill. No. Uh, his contract was still there. It was due to a scheduling conflict that I don't know if it had to do with Mission Impossible or not, or maybe he was working on something else. But they said it was due to a scheduling conflict, but he was never actually fired. His contract expired at one point, and then they, you know, reports are that they renewed his contract currently, but we're still a little in the dark. Those those details are fuzzy, a little bit fuzzy at fuzzy the moment. On that. Yeah. There also, there was the rumor that they because it was an appearance in a film, even though it was only going to be for five seconds or 10 seconds or whatever it was, that whatever was in that contract, it was like, it was an exorbitant amount. And I think Warner brothers went back to him and tried to cut that fee down. And he said, no, that's the fee. It's in the contract. So I think that they, it was, I think it was a little bit of both at that point. Mm. I don't, you know, this, the real story never came out, but there's stories that, it was a scheduling conflict, and it was also the story of that they couldn't come to terms on the money, and I think that's because it was in his contract, and he just said, I'm not changing that, and Warner Brothers said, well, I'm not paying that. Yeah, so Warner Brothers suits, you know, even though they were supposedly getting cleared up at that point, they strike again as the bigger villain than Darkseid in the DCU, you know, to this point. All right, so that wraps up our, our – that pretty much wraps this up for us. Um you know, thank you for everybody who's joining us, who joined us on Facebook, who joined us on YouTube or Instagram, or if you're listening to us on the audio version, audio only version, which is available on Google Play or iTunes or you know Spotify or wherever it is that you find your podcast. Just if you want to do the audio version or audio only version, go check out Pop Culture Pros. Uh, go ahead and, and search it. You'll find us under one of the playlists there for Granny's Peach Tea. That's how you can get that. Otherwise, you know where to find us on our Facebook group on, uh, you know, under Granny's Peach Tea or Pop Culture Pros, Pop Culture Pros group, little, little, little tongue tied there, uh, or wherever it is that you find us. But thank you for everyone who's joined us. Thank you for everyone who's going to join us, uh, you know, later on for this. It's great. Uh, next week, we'll be back. Next Wednesday, uh, we'll be reviewing all the shows, the CW shows that are on. I know Batwoman is the one who's got the week off again. So it'll be. <laughs> Jason is clearly disappointed in that one, but uh, you know there's that. But all the other shows will be on. Uh, we'll have the Wonder Vision finale, which should be big things going on there. Uh, any other news? We don't normally do news of the week every week, but if there's something big enough to cover, like a Superman reboot or a big casting, we do cover that and we'll lead off with that. And our DCEU revisit takes us to one of Jason's personal favorites. We're going to go by the new name and call it Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey, because I'm not. We're, we're, yeah, we're gonna just go by that version because that's the new name that WB decided to update it to, and it's good because I, it would run off the screen for us. We'd have to use the bottom ticker to get the whole title in there. Um, yes, and we'll so we'll, we'll have that for you next week, and also next week 
we're going to have two shows. We're going to be on Wednesday night at 8.30, same time as this, same bat time, same bat channel. And then we're going to come back two days later, Saturday, because we need to cover Justice League before Zack Snyder's Justice League drops because this guy is going to be on vacation. The week that it drops, I'm going to be in Georgia with Rick, who whenever he sees this, we'll, uh, me and Angie will be there with Rick and Courtney in Georgia having a good time. But we want to make sure we get that Justice League review in before everyone gets to see Zack Snyder's Justice League. And, man, that, that is going to be some show, man, because we're going to have Winter Soldier uh, premiere with Justice League. I mean, Zack Snyder's Justice League in one episode. It is going to be crazy that, that week. So the four-hour episode on the way up. Yeah, it might be. Four I mean, hours. We go long as it is, but who the hell knows how long that one's going to take. Can we have that woman that week just for time? Just for time's sake? We might. I mean, who the hell knows? But either way, though, whether whatever you're listening to this, man, listen to it in, in portions, listen to it in sections, whatever the hell you want to do. But thank you, uh, Tony, Jason. Any closing thoughts before we we go shut this thing down? Uh, just I'm really excited for Friday. I I, I just I, I literally you're probably going to wait up until three o'clock to watch it because I'm just. I, I can't. I, I, I'm I'm really excited about it. And you know, I'm I'm looking forward to watching Birds of Prey this week and uh talking about that next week and you know the Falcon Winter Soldier and, and Justin Zack Snyder's Justice League is right around the corner and we got a lot of comic book goodness coming, so I'm I'm excited about it. So can't wait to talk about it with you guys. As for me, I just got one thing to say. Catch on the flip side, guys. <laughs> if I'd have known you were doing that, I had the music queued up for you, bro. <laughs> Next time I'll text you before I do it. <laughs> All right, guys and gals, take it easy. Excelsior! <laughs>